Yo, welcome to the A Space Podcast. I'm your host, the One Eye Gambler, with my co-host Nimbus Thaw Powerful. Cancer hasn't been funded in three years or fucking countries that are trying to establish a different world currency or cutting people's heads off for talking shit. Holy. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's crazy. I don't know. Do you want to start? Do you want to start light and then go heavy or want to start heavy and then go light? You know? <laughs> Let's just start with the crazy shit. We'll see where it goes, dude. And then you got to love so, how I started so abruptly. Like, I don't even give you any warning that we're gonna start. Like it's okay. I like I like a hard start. <laughs> Phrasing. Pause. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Phrasing. Oh gosh, no. So I was um looking at some coverage earlier this week, like today and yesterday. There's a citizen in Saudi Arabia who is being sentenced to death for criticizing the royal family, which is also the government in Saudi Arabia. And people are up in arms about it because the critiques that this individual put out were supposed to be anonymous via anonymous accounts on Twitter. And yet somehow the Saudi Arabian government was able to track this individual down and arrest him. Um, and so the cultural question in the West is now, well, if you break it down across partisan lines, it's on the left side, it's, oh, well, it's Elon Musk's fault. He's just another, uh, crony for Saudi Arabia, uh, because the Saudi royal family, specifically one of the princes in the family is like the second largest investor in Twitter and so they're espousing that Elon was the person actually responsible for giving up this person but the case in and of itself actually goes back to uh, last year before Elon bought Twitter so it couldn't have been Elon that gave the records over but on the other side of things it raises the question of Elon's previous remarks about Twitter's current policy going forward and other countries where freedom of speech and things like that are not as free. Um, and Elon has basically said the law of the land where Twitter is currently active is what Twitter will adhere to, right? So in the United States, Twitter as an entity will adhere as closely as they can to our constitution and in Saudi Arabia, they will adhere as closely as they can to what the Saudi Arabian uh, government says, which is also, again, the royal family. So the dictators, if you want to call it that, um, 
beck and whims basically determine whether or not you can truly be anonymous as a Twitter user in their country, which, based off of this man's arrest, is not plausible. Um, and the crazy, the crazy scope of this is like you would think like, in a, in the West we would think like, well, that's a common thing for the government bodies to target uh, social change activists or social cultural leaders and follow them, invade their privacy, target them, right? This guy in Saudi Arabia literally was posting to 10 followers anonymously, right? So it's not like this person was out organizing, trying to start a violent revolution and overthrow the royal family. Um, but he's been arrested and sentenced to death for exercising his... I guess in Saudi Arabia, it's a right to anonymous speech on Twitter, which is not so anonymous, which is fucking crazy. And Saudi... And it's just like... Again, this is the country that is... At the, on a global scale that the U.S. military complex has been supporting for the last, and the political complex has been supporting for the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years with our money and military, and it's just nuts. It was, yeah. I say it's nuts, but it's also the richest family in the world by almost everybody's estimation. It's like, if you have that, like, you know how I, last time I said I want fuck you money? Now that is like fuck the world money. Okay. <laughs> that well, is like, said you oh, wanted... we're just going to buy half your media company. We're good. Like, we own half of you now. Like, that's crazy. Not to mention all the farmland that they own in America, which is a whole nother topic. You said you wanted fuck you money. You didn't say you wanted fuck the world money. Like, fuck yeah. you money? <laughs> That is singular, okay? Fuck the world money is plural, okay? Yeah, Saudi Um, Arabia got that money that can tell the U.S. to shut up. Nah, yeah, most definitely. Um, I I don't know. I wouldn't consider Twitter rebranding as X to be a multinational corporation. Like they're they're based in America, right? So by my knowledge, if American companies are based in America, then you follow and are under the jurisdiction of laws based off of where you're at, right? So I'm saying that because it's kind of counter to what you're saying that Elon was saying, which is like, if if X, or Twitter, X, whatever he, people use for this social media network now, if it's operating or accessible in other countries, just because it's accessible there doesn't mean that you have to follow the rules of that country. I mean, like, access doesn't have anything to do with jurisdiction. Like, right. and, so, unless it's like an outright attack, which, like, it's not. So, that's where my problem lies on this whole situation. It's kind of like, you can't say that it's going to do that, because then what you're saying is, 
is like any comments made against a royal family in another country where somebody can access Twitter and talk about it. It's like that results in an immediate ban for them because they're accessing it in that country and doing it in that country because it's illegal, right? So then what do you say about somebody who speaks out against the royal family in America? Like they get treated differently. So well, that's, you're going to treat somebody differently if, here in America, and then you're going to treat that person there that way. Like mm-hmm. then, then we have this conversation about like freedom of speech, right? Cause we have that here in America, but they don't right. have that in other countries. Like that's not a standard there. Right. Well, so, the thing about other countries' jurisdictions is, is that they have access to deny, right? They have control over what comes in and out of their countries via the internet, right? So if you look, there are plenty of countries out there that, you know, limit pornographic material where you can't even access pornographic sites that you can in the West, or you have, like, entirely different versions of apps in country in countries like China or Saudi Arabia than you do in the United States or the UK or in Canada. And so you're right in the sense that if a US citizen critiques Saudi Arabia royal the royal family and it goes viral, right? You can't Elon Musk is most likely or I shouldn't say Elon Musk, I should say X is not going to censor that US citizen, right? But if a Saudi Arabian citizen is located in that country and is critiquing the government and then you own half of the or the second largest portion of a company that they are using to critique you, you can very easily put the pressure on the company to recover that person's information or have that person censored, right? And so in that regard that Saudi Arabian citizen does not have the protections of freedom of speech that we extend to U.S. citizens because it's op- the company is operating within their domain, not within the U.S.'s domain. And while we hold these rights to be inalienable, right, quote-unquote, that doesn't make it the reality for everybody else who isn't within our borders. And even within our borders, it doesn't make it the reality all of the time. We just had a, like, there's a governor... The governor of New Mexico literally just essentially suspended the Second Amendment over the weekend and with the executive action, which is going to get tossed out on Monday, most likely by the courts. But until then. Right. They've effectively suspended the Second Amendment in their state, which is or in Albuquerque, which is insane. Um, And that's a whole nother thing. But that is to say you can argue philosophically that these rights can't be taken away and cannot be infringed and should not be, but the reality is people will do that if they have the power to. And the Saudi Arabian government currently has a lot of power and leverage when it comes to how X or Twitter is going to be run and organized and handled, in particular in regards to their citizens. Now, in regards to our citizens, the U.S. citizens or other Western society citizens, it's going to have considerably less Right, because the courts will be more willing to hear cases and uphold our citizens' rights. But again, you know, money, money talks, bullshit walks, and that's a lot of power for one family to have. There's a long list of people that 
allegedly have been killed by the Saudi Arabian government and ones that have been flat out killed. Uh, there was the reporter who was literally tortured and cut into pieces. Um, nah, that, that's was, definitely money, money. And, um, uh, yeah. I regret that I can't remember their name now. I believe it was during the end of Obama's administration when the reporter was doing all the reporting and then I believe they were taken during Trump's presidency and the body was found. And that person was very critical of the government and ended up dead. So, again, it's not a good look for uh, for Twitter or X, and it's not a it's not a good look overall for the prospects of freedom of speech taking over the world, right? Word. I mean, the thing about this whole thing is that, like, journalism and social media has always been the bane of, like, the Eastern world and, you know, because they don't necessarily allow free speech in most of these countries. Um, uh, it's not, I mean, <laughs> Donald Trump would say that all press is good press. I mean, don't we remember that quote from him from like a while ago. Um, sorry, so, quick note. Huh? The uh, the reporter who was killed was Jamal Khashoggi. Yes, was, I remember that. Uh, a Saudi quote unquote dissident, as the Saudi government would call him, I guess. Uh, it's a journalist critical of the Saudi government, and he was found um, murdered in the Turkish embassy or in the Turkey embassy in Istanbul. Quote unquote, ambushed and strangled by fifteen by a 15-member squad of Saudi operatives. Fuck. 15 people making beef and broccoli. And it's just like, hey, we don't care about... I mean, that's flat-out murder. The the Saudi family, the royal family, does not give two craps about, you know, freedom of speech, (laughs) clearly. But they're certainly not going to let that slide in their country. Yeah, I, I, I just think, I, you know, what you're saying about like it's this, this looks bad on X. I don't think it necessarily looks bad for Twitter slash X. I don't, I don't. Well, like, of course, publicity has their name in certain key stories all over the place, just because that's the place that they put themselves. Like, when you're the top social media network brand of choice that people use to disseminate information of course you're everywhere and you and the world thinks that you have a certain responsibility but i don't necessarily think that you can't blame a piece of paper for killing everybody when executives and military like organizations use that paper to write orders to wage war but we blame a social media network for driving this i just i don't think that's the like i don't think 
that responsibility that we put on these social media networks should be accepted by them and that mm. they should move accordingly and feel obligated to state their position on something like it's crazy i i think this is more of like what we've been trying to fight from for the longest time which is like what are these certain unalienable right unalienable whatever the y'all know what the fuck unalienable there we go <laughs> whatever the fuck it says in the constitution or the bill of rights or whatever i don't know um it's like what are these rights that we all have as citizens of the world not just of our specific countries because like as everything becomes globalized like you know obviously brands are globalized and information is globalized like you can no longer like you know hide people inside of the walls and have them yep. all drink poison laced Kool-Aid when they figure out what's <laughs> going on outside and that they've been duped. Like that's just not working anymore, bro. It's not. And we, there's comes a point in time where like everybody starts waking up and, you know, saying to themselves like, you know, like somebody's right and somebody's wrong or some people are right over here about some things and some people are right over here about other things, but this is the one thing that I know is not okay. Like, you know, maybe America is a little bit too free sometimes I feel, you know, I, I think a lot of people can agree with me on that. Really? That's one thing that Eastern countries sometimes criticize us for. Mm. Well, you can, well, we'll get into that, but yeah, you can benefit from a little bit of restriction sometimes. Like everyone that is, everyone that is responsible in nature, and everyone that is irresponsible in nature, and tends to become more responsible and have more self-discipline. Like, people who have great self-discipline and people who grow self-discipline can definitely tell you that there's certain positive things that come from restriction. And I think, I think, I think the, you're right about self-imposed limitations. I don't necessarily agree that large organized entities should be imposing restrictions on individuals' lives lives liberties or freedoms um no yeah most definitely like that that right i definitely get that and i agree with that okay. but what i'm saying is is that one side can have you know positive things that they feel is positive and one side can have positive things that they feel are positive but there's one thing that we there's one thing that everybody in the world agree with agrees with and that is like that we all subjectively should be able to say whatever the fuck we want. Now, there's objective fact. Like, there's fact. And you can't just go slinging around stuff and say that it's fact. Like, that's universally accepted, right? And... Earth is flat. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's that's accepted by everyone pretty much. You know, that that's okay, but that, I mean, that that's not okay, but 
it's kind of universally accepted that people should kind of be able to say whatever they want, whether or not it's a law or not. Like, that's what right. people in Eastern yeah, countries people. are fighting for, is the right to be able to sell whatever the hell they want, because we were all born with mouths. Without the case, um, we wouldn't have a mouth to communicate. Like, if... I don't think the saying? Taliban agree with that assertion. <laughs> or Iran. Or... So, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I just mean, think... there's a list that quickly dwindles. But, I just think it's opened like, up that 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 I think, conversation. I, think I mean, and look, right. this is what this is what we see, right? Okay, what we also see is that in America, one of the freest places in the world where we get to have free speech, we mm-hmm. see that this is like the capital for misinformation and disinformation in the world as well. So I've also heard the argument, well, you have free speech in America and everybody can say what they want, but that also brings security risk along with it that we avoid here in other countries because we don't just allow everyone to have a fucking horn and say whatever the hell they want to. Now, there's some credence to that too, but uh, I just don't think, (laughs) like you said, I don't think cutting somebody up and hanging somebody because they talk yeah. bad about you is acceptable. And I think that's the conversation. That's right. Up. I mean, yeah. the only way to deal with bad thoughts, right? Negative, flawed information, incomplete analyses is to allow them to be brought out into the open and discussed by people who can complete those analyses paint a full picture for people to understand, right? Take the bits and pieces of information that people misconstrue, which results in wrong conclusions being drawn in culture and in cultural opinions that permeate what people now call misinformation or disinformation, which I think are nefarious terms. It's just people being wrong about the interpretation of facts based off of the sources of the information. The only way to counteract that with those people is to have another person come in and correct that painting, that picture that they have in their mind of how things went down with a full totality of information. And it has to come from a trusted source, right? Somebody that they trust. It's not going to work if it's somebody from the government who's, as Reagan said, here to help. Like, no. That's not going to help. No one, no one trusts the government, and no one should trust the government, right? And, you know, no one's going to trust people that they don't have a long-standing intimate friendship with or uh, a long-standing relationship of some kind with, right? Even if we're watching the news or getting our information from independent media, there should always be a flat level of scrutiny that you give it and go, okay, that sounds logical and coherent, if these are all the facts, which ob- even if the person, even if those reporters are making good faith analyses and arguments, there may be more facts that they don't know by the time that they had to run that piece. And you have to remember that. And that can create opportunities for people to have flawed thoughts. And then they may take those flawed thoughts and put them out there onto X on in, in tweets or onto other platforms and speak about them and they may create wrong opinions and it may lead to more ignorance but the freedom of the creativity and the freedom for people to be able to express themselves and to think for themselves to move society forward as 
a group is what keeps society pinned together. If you, if you look back at societies that limit knowledge, that limit speech throughout the history of humanity, they have all failed. All of them, right? And, you know, the most common one when talking about, like, ignorance and uh, a, fool, uh, a bad result um, is, you know, the American education system producing terrible, terrible... Um, Sorry, lost the word. Terribly uneducated students every year, right? It's producing more and more uneducated individuals. And the Ameri- and that's because the American education system is not designed to create educated individuals. It is based off of the old Prussian education system that they used in the Prussian military, which is not designed to create independent thinkers and learners and critical minds it is designed to create people who tend to be good listeners obedient and follow instruction and guess what prussia is not here anymore that's not good right so you have like you were saying we agree that there has to be speech and that there should be some limitations because discipline can be good for you in some respects but as a society people should lean towards freedom because it will give them the opportunity for better self-improvement and it will not subject them to somebody else's version of themselves. Again, general broad statements here. Heck yeah. I definitely get you. Oh, and... But thoughts and prayers for that dude who got arrested. He's the father of seven. I hope he makes it out alive, but I doubt it. Yeah, that's that's messed up to the I don't know how many degrees. That's fucked. <laughs> it's just fucked, dude. Like it's fucked and it's like what are you gonna do about it? Right? Like half the It's not a it's not an equivalent comparison, but it's like whenever you see videos of people who die here in the States and it's like that should be vastly more preventable here, right? And yet we look at it and go, ah well, fuck it. Like, it's another one. Another one for the gutter. Another one for the cut. Another body. Another box. Yeah, man. Let's talk about why we're even talking about this. It's like... Because I've been hearing then for a while now about bricks, which is this thing I kind of wanted to talk about last podcast, but mm-hmm. I wasn't too uh, too keen on it. So I did some research and... I think the reason why this whole thing is coming up is because of, oh, it's kind of looked like for a while that they've been trying to position themselves as an opposition to, like, Western world powers and allies. Um, Yeah. So, I didn't know a lot about this, but apparently they have been, like, building a bank where they've been investing in businesses in member countries of this stuff over the course of what is it uh 14 years since 2009 that's what 14 years yeah 14 years and most recently the reason why it got in the news and became a thing is because in their most recent um the most recent conference 
they mm-hmm. talked about backing a currency uh a currency that was standardized between the members of BRICS um and that being backed by precious metals yes um, it's going to have a gold standard supposedly yeah, based if on they the can standard. get it organized so currently BRICS is made up of for those listening to this you don't know BRICS is made up of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Um, it was formed back in 2010. Um, South Africa was at, added in after. And so it's basically an Eastern Bloc coalition. Eastern being an Eastern Hemisphere world, obviously with the exception of Brazil, which is on the Western Hemisphere. Designed to, I guess, stand as a counterweight for these countries. Uh to stand together on the global world in terms of stabilizing and growing their economies and I would say global influence, um, although I would only I don't yeah, I'll leave off judgment on that one Um, and it's been kicking up a lot of news and it's been standing up a lot of hairs lately on the global scale uh, which is sort of why I started with Saudi Arabia Because at the last BRICS summit, they invited more nations to join, um, which included Saudi Arabia among them. And Saudi Arabia, for a while there, was really kicking around the idea of joining, which would then make them back out of the U.S.'s agreement, right? They would no longer be able to adhere to the U.S. agreement where they backed the U.S. dollar with their oil which is one of the ways America continues to stabilize its economy on a global scale and continues to maintain global influences because our dollar is not backed by gold. It is backed by oil. The oil dollar coming out of Saudi Arabia is what keeps our dollar strong across the globe, right? Which is why we're able to consume as much as we do as a country. And it is why our country is able to swell as much as it has in the last, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years since we switched from the gold standard in the 70s. Um, A lot of people would argue on a global scale, that's also why we've been in so many fucking wars in the Middle East, right? It's because when the oil fields start getting messed with, that's when our oil prices, our gas prices go through the roof, and then it puts a lot of pain on us, and then we go, okay, you're not going to keep doing that to us. And so the government goes in and wrecks a country and wrecks the government that decided they were going to screw with our oil supply. Um, which is exactly what happened in the 90s. Um, and so at the end of the BRICS summit, I should say somewhere in the BRICS summit, they invited Saudi Arabia, Iran, the United Arab Emirates, or UAE, and Egypt. Um, which all seemed to be suggesting that they would have um, a propensity for joining. Um, obviously, Saudi Arabia has not. I'm not sure if any of the countries officially have joined or not as of yet. Um, but it poses a quandary, you know, if Saudi Arabia is going to continue to behave this way towards free speech and towards the principles that supposedly the Western governments uphold and respect, then. Are we going to let them join BRICS? Are we going to adhere, make them 
adhere to a higher standard of respecting free speech, even when it's critical of their, even when their people are critical of the government? Or are we just going to say, okay, go join BRICS and we'll negotiate with you then? It doesn't, you know, we don't know how that negotiation would go, but it would significantly strengthen BRICS if they had Saudi Arabia because it would basically give them at least currently, most of the oil being produced, right? Because Russia produces a lot and sends it into Europe uh, along with other natural gas resources. Um, Currently, I believe China and Saudi Arabia are both technically buying oil from Russia, um, which started increasing during the Ukrainian war with Russia. Um, And then also, again, if that alliance is strengthening, what is happening to the alliance with the Western countries, right? What happens to our agreement with the with the oil dollar? Does that go up? Does that go down? Does that get shot in the foot? Does it go out the window? What happens when our financial institutions start to collapse because all the investments that have been divested no longer hold water? Or because the dollar is weakening, people stop start to offload segments of our economy in droves. Um, those are all questions that come up on the geopolitical scale. And I'd say they're coming closer and closer to being answered. If you look at the markets, a lot of like the major uh, market players are betting short right now on the U.S. economy going down, which is not a good thing, um, which has less to do with bricks and more to do with inflation and other things. But again, it weaves a nasty web very quickly that you and I are going to get caught up in and most other people are going to get caught up in the fallout of. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of scary taking a look at this. So, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa are current members and uh-huh. they invited six countries to join uh-huh. um which is Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates. Those six countries have accepted and I have accepted. Yeah, and they Jeez. will start to become full time members of BRICS starting on January one of twenty twenty four. Oh now, shit. I'm interested because uh. two of these countries here are Okay, I'm interested for five of these six countries. I'm gonna tell you why. The UAE is clearly a part of, you know, the powers that be with oil in the Middle East. But they are a huge tourist spot right now, too. Like, there's a lot of commercial stuff going on there, which is very, um, which is similar to Argentina, who has one of the best football teams in the world. And... A lot of people will say, well, what does that matter? Well, that being one of the biggest sports in the world, having one of the best teams comes at a very advantageous position. Yeah, it gives you a lot of cultural influence across the globe. Exactly. Especially, in in particular, it gives you high-value points of influence with citizens outside your country, which is very important, which I think people really underestimate a lot, right? Like, people don't necessarily think that having influence over another country's culture is as 
as important a resource to maintain, right? But if you're going to destabilize a country, part of the way you do that is by understanding its people and having a connection to its people so that when your operatives go into that country, there's at least some common ground to start a grassroots movement, to, which then turns into a revolutionary movement, right? And then, then turns into a militia, and then turns into open conflict. And then you send in your government body openly to go support the change of regime, right? Under the auspices, as the U.S. does, of freedom, right? Which we, I mean, the U.S. has been doing regime change shit for four decades now, six decades, like, and I mean, that's just how it's done. And so, like, have, and if you were to think of it from their point of view, having that great cultural influence, that's not small, right? Like, that's a lot of influence, which then you could choose to push other forms of influence through, right? Like, we see it today in our culture where influence influencers will get signed to a brand and then they'll be pushing and pushing and pushing that onto the demographics of our country now imagine if you know you own the largest sports team and then everybody on that sports team starts sending out the same message on their social media platforms telling all their friends and all their family who then go tell all their friends and all their family and then policymakers right and they start having conversations about well it's okay to censor in this way but not in this way it's okay to tell people this but maybe let's not explain everything let's hold some of this information back because we could use it later right like that level of manipulation becomes very very dangerous and exceedingly quickly people turn that in from good intentions into a hellish reality right like that is the first way to bring hell to earth is start fucking with people's freedoms with good intentions and you will end up creating a nightmare and so it's not it's very it's not inconceivable that that could go sideways very quickly if they're going to be i don't know peddling influence to and to what end who knows other than to gain more political and global influence right like why would you why would you join a nation right like why join a coalition other than the united nations if you're already in the united nations why join a sub coalition if not to gain more influence within that coalition right same thing like we our political parties here break down into smaller coalitions uh that vie for power within the the democratic and republican party so i don't know that's concerning to me definitely get you there and like Not that I'm a huge supporter of Saudi Arabia, obviously, but uh, I mean, it, yeah, most it will definitely. become a problem. It will become a major problem next year if they decide to subvert the amount of oil they're going to back us with in favor of these other countries, right? In the BRICS summit or in the BRICS coalition, right? If they go, okay, well, now we're going to prioritize sending oil to Russia, sending oil to Brazil, or sending oil to Ethiopia, right? In exchange at a better rate of exchange for these goods. But then if there's a conflict of interest with those countries, do they hike our oil and gas prices? Right? Do they hike the oil price, which then hikes the gas price, which then drives up food, consumerism, right? All those uh, numbers 
get inflated again because the royal family in Saudi Arabia goes, well, our ally in Russia or China or in Brazil doesn't like this current trade tax you have on them, so we're hiking your oil cost as part of a negotiation. Like, that hurts very, very quickly. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that breaks down. Yeah, most definitely. I'm I'm interested in seeing how it's going to go with two countries like Egypt and Ethiopia in there. I mean, the biggest thing I saw when now, I... Don't fuck with my I coffee about, beans, okay? You start fucking with my Ethiopian coffee, we're going to have yeah. issues, bro. I'm telling you. Well, I was concerned because <laughs> I remember Ethiopia had this big dam project and it was a big spat between Ethiopia, Egypt, and the Sudan because... Mm-hmm. Ethiopia has been doing a lot of development in their country, and a big part of this was uh, building this mega dam, which was going to supply power to the country and be a you know a huge like plus to to their economy, their infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I mean everything. Right. And Egypt and Sudan had a big problem with it because they're downstream and that would right. Affect... It was going to really fuck up their water. Exactly. Supplies. Which would mess them up. So that was a huge problem, which is still being debated about today. So mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised to see that they were on that list together because, you know, a big thing about BRICS is focusing on how to develop each country individually and how they're going to support each other. Yeah. And Ethiopia and Egypt right now are kind of. Uh, and that might be part of the front. Well, that might be part of the benefit of them joining is that then they would have bigger power players like India, China, and Russia to put pressure on Ethiopia to not move forward, or if they are going to move forward with that development, that they have pressure put upon them by allies to make sure that the water distribution is set to certain standards that continue to allow those countries further downriver, downstream of the of the dam adequate supplies right um it's very similar to what's going on in like with the colorado river basin right now like you have private interests and government interests that are vying for control over various um water rights all along the colorado river um it, which um, I mean, like big names, like Walmart is trying to buy and and peddle influence and lobby state lawmakers from all along the Colorado River Basin, right? It's not just in Colorado, but all along it to support legislation that would give Walmart, the Walmart, like Walmart, the rights to govern who has access to that water which farms get how much water stipend for their farms, right? And there are families on the off this river who have had farms for generations, who have had l- lifelong permits, right, going back four or five generations out here, right? So imagine that, but in on a country scale with Ethiopia and Egypt and the Sudan being the area of conflict, right? That's sort of what's similarly going on, and it's this, it's, well, I don't like the government running shit, and I don't like private corporations running shit. I don't think they're gonna, I don't think it would end well if Walmart had those water rights, and I don't think it, it's a good look 
for I guess in theory in that power dynamic though Ethiopia would have more control because they are building it in their country right so in that negotiation balance they would go well we're going to build it anyways unless you're going to really incentivize them not to but I believe they've already started construction of that didn't they yeah they've already started and I mean you got to know that like water rights here in America they don't work like they work everywhere else and you know I don't know what it's like there in their respective countries or in their continent, how they do business. But um, I just calls in the question, like, you know, who has what the jurisdiction is like between the different countries when everybody's affected from the water that flows through that river, through all the countries. I mean, because the thing about it is all those countries their major, like 80% of the population in those countries are built around the Nile River. So, mm-hmm. if Ethiopia moves through with this mega dam and ends up limiting the water supply, then that affects 80% of the population in Eastern Africa. Like, we're talking about in these Eastern African countries, 80% of the population are going to be affected by this. That's this huge. Do you think that it's an intentional power play by the Ethiopian government to jack up their influence and their control? Hmm. I, I just think that. I mean, cause there's well, no way Eth- they don't Ethiopia, know exactly what they're doing. Ethiopia has always taken slack for, I guess, being the first country to overthrow, you know, colonial like not not give over to colonial rule mm-hmm. um and i feel like they've kind of been under the gun of every other country in africa for that very reason um i i don't okay so here's both sides of it like like south africa and nigeria have made and kenya have made i mean every country and but those stand out for me personally because those are what I've done research in. Like, those countries have made strides to kind of, in you know, develop their nations. I feel like Ethiopia is trying to do the same. And I feel like their position is to serve the people of their country and themselves. And to hell what's going on with the Sudan and... Egypt, which have, in my knowledge, have been historically in support of a lot of the countries who've been opposed to Ethiopia in the past. So I wouldn't put it past Ethiopia that, like, um, I wouldn't put it past them that they know what they're doing. They're putting the stranglehold on this. But, you know... I also won't knock them I mean, they've for been, trying they've to... Been, I wouldn't knock them for They've been working on this for over that. a decade. So there's no way that they don't know, right? There's there's absolutely no way they don't know exactly what their the fallout of this is going to be. And, I mean, it's cost them... I mean, the U.S. has cut aid to them. Other nations seem to have cut aid to them. And yet they still push forward with this. Uh, I mean, yeah, and the thing is... They like, just you filled can't... it up again for a third time last year. You can't just, tell me it's like they don't care. You can't tell or me at that least they, Egypt, they prefer the benefit of it. 
Yeah, you can't tell me that Egypt, if they didn't see a economical advantage similar to something like this, they wouldn't move on it. You no, I think they certainly, the they absolutely certainly would. I mean, I think certainly they would. I just don't think any of them had the positioning to, like Ethiopia did. But I'm curious as to whether or not this is intended to, in the long term, subdue those countries to then absorb them in the way like the U.S. had the Louisiana Purchase and the Purchase of Alaska and the hostile takeover of Hawaii that the U.S. conducted. Um, I'm curious, I'm wondering if Ethiopia is looking for their own modern version of expansion without, you know, as much violent and bloodshed by simply cutting off the water supply, you're pretty much cutting off life, no matter where you are. No water equals no life, but if particularly in Africa, which is always in need of water, generally, unless you're in a more tro- one of the more tropical spaces, but certainly in this area, along the Nile, you live and die by it. It's if you don't have access to your water, it doesn't matter. So I think that would it's got to be a power play from where I can see it. I don't understand. I don't. There's no reason that a country should have to be that selfish. I don't think. In order just to build themselves up, right? Like. But then again, I don't live there. I don't know a lot about the political vines and the corruptions and the scandals and things like that, and where the power lines break down in that country to really make that assertion with any virulence, but if you've been working on this for 10 years and you know it's going to mess up a lot of your neighbors and probably lead to I mean, it's got to potentially lead to famines, droughts starvation deaths in your neighboring countries and you don't give a fuck about that Right, and then, here's and then you're going to join BRICS, where you're supposed to be allied with these neighboring countries. That seems that seems misaligned. I don't think those two run together. I think that's going to cause conflict in BRICS. Heck yeah! And this but is again, also the part of the podcast where I tell people that if they have any. Uh, any advice to give or corrections that they need to make. I'm not above being corrected. I would admit that uh, in the Eastern Hemisphere of the world, if it's not on the current news cycle here in the West, I don't really pay much attention to it unless something really grabs my eye. Um, So if anything I've said here is uh, in need of correction, you can definitely hit up us up at a space podcast on all social media platforms and a space podcast at gmail.com. Um, but that, I mean, before we even started talking about bricks, I definitely had, uh, heard about that mega dam project in Ethiopia just because it came up on something I was coming across just because I was like researching huge engineering feats. And supposedly that's going to be like, the biggest dam ever so i i did a lot of research about that already so it's kind of like when i heard about those new member countries and then saw those two i was like how in the world are they gonna pull this off like that's gonna um, be very interesting 
because I just saw an article from two days ago. There was a statement from the Egyptian minister that Ethiopia has not made any sign or show of intention to accept a compromise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're just like, fuck it, we're taking all your water. And I <laughs> think I'm I think I'm ready for an Ethiopian superpower in Africa. Uh, yeah. I think I'm ready for it. I, I mean, I don't know. Even if it's, it's running, like, even if it joins bricks and runs against U.S. interests? Look, bro. Uh, <laughs> Let me just ask hey. hard questions. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can't continue to fuck up as a country and then think we're going to keep that top spot in the world. I mean, come on. I mean, that's I mean, true. We have to do better. You know, There's, we have to do a lot better. We could right. start by, you know, not having black site prisons where we put reporters in our country inside maximum security prisons, but that would be a really good start. Yeah, I'm saying. If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, there are actual black site prisons that are off books that are literally built into maximum security prisons where our government puts people that they don't want to be able to be heard but cannot legally prevent them from speaking when they touch on certain topics. Uh, There's a reporter I'm thinking of, I believe his his first or his, I want to say, it's like eight years ago or seven years ago when I last looked at this, but he basically spent like three or four years inside of a maximum security prison and had no visitation from his family. He could not get messages out. His lawyers could not reach him, could not find him, could not represent him. All of his rights were confiscated from him. Um, He eventually did get out because he managed to smuggle a letter out to his lawyer, who then showed up at the prison. Um, And then it became a whole legal thing and the judges remanded him out, I believe. But, um... That shit exists here, guys. Don't believe me? Go look it up. It's not good. Heck yeah. We totally, you know, if we're gonna lead the world, maybe we should get rid of that. And maybe we should, you know, stop trying to kill Snowden. For telling the truth. I feel you. We should not be trying but, to kill uh, people. I mean, yeah, yeah. What happens when you dox a whole bunch of people that are providing information for the government? You know, just all oh. your form, all your, all your, all your operatives. You know, you just dox them. I mean, I totally get what you're saying. Like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't uh, penalize somebody for telling the truth totally get that but i also think you shouldn't put people in harm's way to do it either you know i think that's one of the united states united states position on going so hard on snowden like they did it's like there were no deaths as a result of what snowden leaked there's a whole there's a whole investigation hearing about that and they could not point to a single case of bodily harm that resulted from the information that came out 
Yeah, but there was nobody's names in there. Nobody that they had to protect. You know? I, I mean, maybe, I but... Don't, I don't in, know a lot. If you're not going to claim that in the courts, then you can't penalize somebody for it. True. And this has it, always been the executive branch's issues. Like, they I mean, want to run these black right. ops and things like that and then punish people for but the point uncovering is, it. And the it's point like, is, though, here for me, it's like... No one was harmed because they probably got everybody out in time because a bunch of people did their jobs right. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? But but now you have all these people as assets that they probably can't use anymore. And they have to retrain people when they already probably had hundreds of good people that were able to do it. They can't do it anymore. That's That's taxpayers' money that they have to use to do that, by the way. And that's taxpayers' money that they should not have even allocated to do that to begin with. It was a widespread data. So you're you're not going to allocate taxpayers' money to keep your country safe, like the no, taxpayers safe. The, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that particular project that he uncovered, that he blew the whistle on, did not focus on data collection for keeping Americans safe. It simply collected, made a Meta got metadata collected massive amounts of data on U.S. citizens under that auspices, much like the Patriot Act does, but none of it was ever actually used in a manner that kept us safe. There was not one attack that was prevented from any of that information that he blew the whistle on, and there was not one death that resulted for our operatives that was ever testified to as a result of that leak. That was a widespread information collection apparatus by the federal government on its people. Period. Now okay, they so might they could they might argue that there was a handful of what what you might call high value targets or people of interest with ties to terrorist organizations or dangerous militia groups or what have you. And that Everybody else in that network of data collection was simply caught up in the net that they threw, right, of this data collection. But it doesn't matter. They're not supposed to have that information, and they obtained it illegally through this program. Like, if you need that information, then you take that money. Instead of running a black ops or a black program, you take that money, and you train the people, and you grow the workforce and do it legally. You don't do that shit illegally. You That's know, not okay. I the think, means don't justify the ends in a country where freedom is delineated to be worth the risk. Okay, and, and this is the reason why on the last podcast I said I was getting old and I have to write shit down because I have multiple points here. The <laughs> okay. first point, okay. and we're going to try not to go super over the rails on this might, but okay, okay. <laughs> I think I have three separate points here. My first is that you're going to tell me if and when you have kids, that you're not going to in a sense helicopter over them at least for a little bit to make sure they know what they're doing and make sure they're okay or make sure the people that are coming in contact with them are good or check their phone when they get one to see if they're doing the right thing on their phone or if they're not monitoring the internet traffic to see if they're you know like you're not going to do any of that you're just gonna no i certainly will do do that that is vastly different than spying on adults no it is not 
Yes, it is, bro. Yes, it is because a child we are nothing has to be brought up and reared and given nothing. the guidance to operate in the world. We a, are nothing a, but a grown individual, full of children, grown oh. children, <laughs> doing grown children that need monitoring, bro. I'm sorry. Okay, which brings me to my second point, which okay. is, and it. it it is kind of called back to earlier when I was talking about how Eastern governments criticize Western governments for being a little bit too free. Like, but, and because of, okay, so let's take this back to the dawn of the internet, right? Like Mm -hmm. the internet opened us up to globalization you like like that was the catalyst for globalized commerce you know um globalized social networking and social sharing like it opened up information to be shared across the world like nothing has ever done before mm-hmm. like the printing press expedited the process of getting information around but somebody still had to carry that shit on a boat to other countries, which was not an easy task. Now, I mean, well, not... There were ways to get stuff, like, not electronically, but across countries without having somebody travel on a boat. But you get what I'm saying? It was... It it was significantly slower than the internet is now. Um, Right. So... When we opened ourselves up to the world, like a a large part of American commerce was allowing this globalization to come through America and to go out from America to every other country in the world. What came with that? Tourism, you know what I'm saying? Immigration, people coming here from other countries to permanently stay here in America, people coming from other countries to America temporarily. Like, all this stuff happened, and now we're faced with a situation in which outside forces are as woven into the fabric of American culture as Native American... Well... (laughs) I'm not saying Native American like the people that were here before colonists got here, but American culture, like Mm -hmm. and non-American culture, are now interwoven into each other. And what we what we're left with in 2023 is like now things in America are influenced by everywhere and vice versa. So. There's kind of like, there's there's a very thin line between what's American and what's X country's culture these days. Like, it's becoming difficult to figure it out. Like, unless people call it out or unless it's like, unless it's documented somewhere and curated, like, it's very difficult to figure out what is American and what is not or what is X and what is not like what is not American so that correlates 
to how we handle foreign policy and security and national defense here in America, too. So it's like we have, I feel like when the Internet came along and when the U.S. government saw the scope and the size of the opportunity that the World Wide Web offered other countries to attack America, we needed a way to combat that. So, of course, you have to monitor your own citizens because in the first place, you don't even know who's a loyal U.S. citizen anymore here in America, period. And I'm not talking about, like, who's a U.S. citizen born in America for generations and is fighting against America because they just don't like the idea of America anymore. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you have people who are first, second generation Americans from another country who's been generationally from other countries living here in America, and they are not necessarily loyal to America, and they either get that thread, like, pulled by foreign powers to do Mm -hmm. things for them, or... They're here in the first place to undermine American values, and we need to figure that out because there's been people I've met in my life that I didn't know they weren't originally American, their first, second generation, and you can hardly tell, and this goes hand in hand, which I'm talking about, what is American culture like? You are with these people all the time, you see them doing things that are the same that you do but you wouldn't know until you dig deeper that you know i'm saying they're not american or they're first generation or stuff like that like that's what we're faced with now we're faced with there are a hundred thousand accounts on my social media network and i don't know who out of these a hundred thousand people right are loyal to america okay so do you think because you know all those people and statistically, a certain percentage of them are going to be individuals putting other U.S. citizens at risk by their associations with nefarious entities and bad actors. Do you think because they happen to have crossed your social media path or your, your world path by happenstance that the federal government has the obligation and the duty to then vacuum up all the private information about your life and keep it in a folder and monitor you and your comings and goings in case you come across that individual again. Do you know how much information about us is already Do you think that they should have access to all your kids' information? Again, do you know how, like, a lot of people don't know how much of their information is already public in the first place. I understand that, but it being public is not the same as it being kept in a file for the government to use as needed, even if it puts you at risk. Which is oftentimes what happens. I get what you're going with this. I get where you're going with this, but... Right, like, the risk of potential danger does not warrant the restrictions or the violations of the freedoms and liberties that we are striving to maintain and are given as citizens of this country. The risk 
that we bear as citizens of this country and the duty and responsibility we bear to our taking care of ourselves and making sure we are prepared is that freedom. Because we have the freedom to make our own independent choices, because we have the freedom, we also accept more of the risk that comes along with it. This is why you should be capable of self-defense. You should have backup resources in case a, a disaster hits, right? You should not be relying on the government to come and fix things for you. You should not be waiting around for things to go bad and then go, oh my God, where are the police? No, you should be aware, you should be attuned to those issues and those dangers. Period, end of story. You should be responsible for yourself. And then when shit goes down, you will be prepared for it. It doesn't take the federal government or your state level government showing up 15, 20 minutes after disaster hits. That's not a justification for why they should be able to violate your privacy on a whim. That's not good enough. Starting a regime change war around the world over geopolitical issues such as oil prices and who came from which country when they attacked our country doesn't justify you violating everybody's constitutional rights. It doesn't. Part of that risk of that freedom is the risk of danger. And if you don't like that as an individual citizen, not not you, of course, Nimbus, but if people don't like that much risk, you are more than welcome to feel like you can give that up. But that doesn't give you the right to say, I have to give up my, sh my privacy. If the information's out there in the metadata on Google and shit, and they need to get it, if somebody comes across my path that is a person of interest, that's happenstance, okay? There are other ways for them to get the job done without violating my rights. There's too much technology and too much power and influence in the government for them to be able to justify having all that information and for violating those rights. There's no reason for it. I just, I don't... There's no reason for the FBI to do what it's doing where it's just collecting and growing a database of DNA samples of citizens from across the country for no fucking reason other than the fact that, well, we'll have it on file in case they fuck up. You don't, get, you don't just get to keep that, that information. That person, these people have done no wrong. Why do you have that information? Why do you have their profile? I Why just, are you monitoring I don't, I don't that? See, it's not I don't, necessary. I don't see intrinsically, like, like, of course, I agree. But I also disagree. And this is the frustrating part of being me. Which is like, I can, <laughs> I can <laughs> definitely see both. But I, I, I understand I where I, you're going, but... There's I understand couple, the argument for government oversight. There's a I couple do, there's a couple of things that are going to be true, which is if you as a person are going to do something multiple times, there's a likelihood that you're going to do it again. Okay? I'm going to know I'm going to know after so many times, after so many behaviors like of, of witnessing a behavior from you, like, I'm going to notice something of you, right? It doesn't, it doesn't take me, like, 
you know, collecting data over, you know, a couple years from various different devices that are connected from the Internet of Things around your house for me to get a little bit of information that I want out of you. Like a lot of people, I mean, for me, that is not hard, but for a lot of people, it's difficult, but it's doable for a majority of people. Just a lot of people don't take the time to do it. I just don't think that it's an issue because technology is just an extension of the human mind, right? Our technology is doing what humans are going to do in the first place, right? So if I, as a per, if I, as a person have a sphere of influence and I'm paying enough attention to every single person in my sphere of influence, then I'm already doing exactly what the government is doing. I'm just keeping tabs on people in my sphere of influence. It's no different. I will probably never use the information against people in my sphere of influence unless I got to, but I'm going to keep it in the tuck whenever I need it. Like, you know, that's exactly what the government is doing. And I don't see what the problem is with that. There's very little of that. There's very little of that information that ever gets used against anybody. Like they know it's there. They're they're fine with it. You know, it, 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 it's there. They know that you're illegally downloading music since 2005. (laughs) Like, you know, they got your tab already and it's there. Then they're not, I don't get, and, and the thing is, if they didn't keep it, they would know anyway, right? Like you would show somebody anyway. If, okay, if somebody screws up and violates the social structure of our society, right? Breaks laws and is caught and is brought Mm -hmm. to trial. That information is going to get dug up, as you said, anyways. It does not need to be stored in a system that then could be misused later preemptively, which is inevitably what happens when governments control lots of information about their people and about their citizens. It becomes dangerously more plausible for those governments to get away with nefarious things and to intentionally target their citizens end of story that has been the history of the world that that in and of itself that historical precedent is enough reason for the government not to be able to maintain crazy amounts of metadata on private citizens who have done nothing wrong on top of that we also have the constitutional principles that prevent the government from doing that. Now, if people want to opt in to Google and Google's going to monitor all the internet data and shit because that's how they've managed to make it work for themselves as a company. That's a private company entity. That's your job and your responsibility as a citizen to wrestle with that. But it is not guaranteed to the government. It is not the government's jurisdiction and it is not the government's right to maintain information on you. I I definitely get you. I just, I think we, I think moreover, I just think that that will never happen. I think we already have a biological model for a social and 
political and economical situation like this and it's like it's crazy for a country to collect data and use it against everyone that they've been collecting it from and kill itself doing so Russia did it Soviets did it like uh, yeah and look at how rough and tough those places are right now socially economically politically like it's difficult it's rough out there it's not rough here yeah I mean, but it will be rough here but if it, you continue it, to let if you continue to sit by and and just go oh well they weren't doing anything nefarious this time with the amount of information they had it will end up like those other countries did it will yeah and that's why we'll never do it unless we're back unless we're forced to you know what i'm saying and i i don't think we would ever in our right mind let ourselves be forced to do anything like that <laughs> like, well that's the, that's the thing about modern innovation as you said is it it's no longer going to be a war on the streets where they're only where they're i mean the united states only has a standing military personnel of less than three million if you're counting reserve members yeah, okay we, we have they're the not largest... gonna march them street to street right collecting and black bagging people they're not going to do that what they're going to do is they're going to take the exorbitant amounts of data that they have collected on everybody and then they're going to analyze it and then they will start to change the cultural impressions by pushing that through the various forms of influence and culture and they will slowly and surely change the minds over time that's how you do it it's not going to be okay black boot thugs on your door unless you're a high value target that people are organizing around is it wrong that i feel like that's fine is it wrong yes, that i feel like crazy. are you i feel like i should i feel like the okay. world is so much better when the things that we hold dear that are true that are honest and that are fair are left for us to enjoy together if that means that we have to do it under the radar. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sorry. The free speech will be more enjoyable with me as long as we're doing it on shortwave radios instead of on a podcast blasted over the internet because that might be considered sedition one day. Hell yeah. Probably, yeah. I definitely, I definitely. You think a world where we could be killed for our free speech is better to live in, based off of that statement, Hell than the world we currently yes. have? Okay. And it's crazy that my mind thinks that way. I can definitely see it the way you see it. But would you rather? Would you rather live in a society where we constantly, for five thousand years, think something's okay? but it's really not than live in a society for a couple hundred years where something's not okay. You know, this overarching theme is exerted on everybody. We get it over where we get it out and people are enlightened. And then we move on to the next thing. Like this slow what, process what? that we're going through right now, 
of like introducing to the public a bunch of stuff that doesn't make sense and it being widely accepted by everyone and then us implement that into every part of our culture and then force everybody to believe it too or if you don't believe it then just keep your mouth shut like i don't want to live that is that the world that you will end up in if you can if we continue to let the government collect massive amounts of data on people well what did because i say last podcast use it against let them. the oil separate from the water let's have that society let's see the good that comes from it which will be absolutely nothing and then everybody else around like why would we repeat look, the I'm mistakes of history when because, we have already learned bro, the lesson from history because let the disease thrive, let it rot the body and let it die, and then all of us who make a lot of sense, we will rebuild back what we know to be good, and let these motherfuckers have it. Let them have it. We do not need to recreate Maoist China or (laughs) Stalin's fucking Soviet era in the United States for the United States to continue to prosper. We don't have to do that. That is ridiculous. No, what I'm what I'm saying is is that okay. That is you see, the- you see this a lot you see this a lot in you see this a lot in in fiction writing and you see this a lot in narratives where it's like the person who's been through something and who was not necessarily the most liked person has done the most development. So then when they finally reach the point where they can be useful, they're probably a little bit more useful than the person who's kind of taken the path that everyone agrees to and everyone is in yes, line it's, with, it's right? it's the canonical rise of the hero in the hero's arc. So, okay. So... For a long time, America has been doing everything the way people like and the way people agreed to on the same time. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, like, we've actually been doing the hard work. Like, all the raw materials and precious metals that came from Africa, all the oil has came from the Middle East. A lot of our cuisine and a lot of things that are part of American culture comes from Asia and India. Like... Everything good that has come out of the world and that has been the building block for America has come from all these countries that are coming out of bricks. And now we have a situation where they're all going to partner up with each other and focus on their own development. And now we're scared. Yeah, we should be scared. They're coming together like all the people that actually have the power are coming together and they haven't been the most like countries. They haven't made the right decisions. But, like, let's say they get together and they do form a unified democracy. We're fucked. We're fucked because they're going to do it way better than we ever could. And everybody that's been good and that's done good stuff here in America and America hasn't let them do what they've done here in America. Like, like America's been like, no, we'll do it this way. They'll go over there. We'll go live over there in those countries that are doing that. And America's going to be fucked. So you think there's going to be an exit if BRICS, as BRICS rises, there's going to be an exodus of people who are highly skilled, highly valuable. That are going to move the fuck out because you know why we're being forced to... Hang on, hang on. That are then going to move into a coalition of nations that, as we started this podcast discussing, 
strangle, dismember, and dispose of dissidents, have political adversaries assassinated, willfully subdue, discriminate, and oppress their people, and actively prevent and limit freedoms. You think the people who are highly intelligent, highly valuable, who prioritize their freedom to be themselves, are going to leave as America falls and run to these countries that have modern applications of tyranny to go and change those countries somehow instead of trying to fix the country they're already in where they already have skills and influence and status. They're just going to leave all that behind as granted as it's dwindling right they're not going to stay and fight for it they're just going to give that up and go and start over in these countries that are by definition killing the people that you are describing going to these countries let me let me ask you a question you you think we don't do those things too no i think we absolutely do but it doesn't happen at the same rate and there's more recourse for that here as a citizen than there would be in any of those other countries. Okay. And that's not going to change anytime soon. You go to Saudi Arabia anytime soon in the next hundred years, I guarantee you that family's still going to be in power and they're still going to be chopping reporters up. Okay. So you'll go to Russia. You don't think there's going to be another Putin after Putin eventually dies. Of course there will. There's going to be another Xi Jinping and that's not going to change because that's how those systems are set up. Unless those countries revolutionize themselves first and put freedom and individualism first people who value individualism and freedom who have high skill sets are not going to leave the country even if it is beginning to wane are not going to give that up to go and submit to tyranny to then try and change tyranny okay so when i'm gonna that's, i'm gonna answer your okay. question here i'm gonna answer your question uh-huh i'm gonna answer your question okay People in this country buy an $150,000 property with a $150,000 loan that they end up paying $350,000 over the life of the loan for, right? Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. a lot of these people only live in the house for three to four years. Then they sell the home because Mm -hmm. they realize that instead of weight on the depreciation and the possibility that the house will appreciate mm, probably 50 to a thousand dollars in value there will sell their home get the equity from the home that is definitely going to be about 30 to forty thousand dollars and then they keep doing that for about 20 years instead of waiting on the possible appreciation that they might get from their home Mm-hmm. So are you telling me that these same people are going to move out of America and go to other countries is going to do it better? Fuck yes. Because this is what we do here. And we're going to do that everywhere else. Yes. I do think, though. I'm think- not going to literally be able to go to those countries and do the things that they can do here because those countries do not have the same constitution and freedoms set up that we do. And they're not going to have them 
anytime soon in their development. Okay, so especially me, not if they join a coalition. Let me tell that's you, got Russia and China in it, where they and Saudi Arabia in it, where they're literally killing people for trying to do what you are describing. Let me let me let me ask you something here, right? So, what are you gonna do if America's no longer a superpower? And we do have to submit to the rules, regulations, and the jurisdictions of another power, another entity that doesn't give us the same rights as we have now. What are you going to do then? I will join no the one ever, and start a revolution. No one ever thinks about that possibility because we never think that can to an, America. I will not be submitting to anybody else's rule of law. <laughs> And that's what makes us that's what makes us as Americans so just tunnel vi- we think that this can never happen to us we think that we can never we can never be overruled we can never be overturned I'm not saying I want it to happen I'm not saying I'm in support of it happening but every single day as we see things developing over the course of the history of our world as we talk about even when we talk about like like interplanetary decisions like we're talking about they want within the next couple hundred years to we have a whole nother planet to go to do you honestly think that we are probably going to be the greatest superpower like i i don't i can't I don't, I don't, I think we're crazy to think that if we don't make some changes, we're still going to be where we've always once been. No, I agree with that. If we don't make changes in the way that our country is going, then we will not be the superpower that we are currently for much longer. But I don't think America as a nation is going to fail at making those changes. I think America will succeed at making those changes. And I believe we will see those happen in the next 10 years. Maybe give it 20 for all the other idiots to die out in D.C. Like, have you seen what's happening with, like, the oligarchy of the Uniparty? Segway. Haha. We're talking about the Uniparty now. Yeah. Full circle. <laughs> there you go. See? Use those callbacks to bring in extra topics. Let's go. Like, like, have you seen Feinstein? Have you seen McConnell? Have you seen Biden? Like, bro. They're dying. Like, Mother Nature's taking that shit out. Okay? There's not gonna be a lot longer that that particular generation of power mongers is going to are going to be in power right they will die out and more people will have the opportunity to move up the question it will be for those young up-and-coming members of congress who are in their 30s and their 40s and their 50s right are they going to continue to be cesspools and take advantage of the system and take advantage of people And the question will be for the people, are you going to continue to vote for the same idiots when you can see that they have taken advantage of you over the course of one, two, three terms? Are you going to start voting people out? Are you going to be smart? Are you going to do your duty as an independent individual citizen and know who you're voting for? Because if not, then yeah, you deserve what's coming. But if you don't want 
to backslide, if we don't want America to backslide, the individuals will have to do better because the system is not going to do better for us and the system is not going to fix itself or change itself, right? We're going to have to cut off the cancerous parts of the system and heal ourselves from there. That's not going to happen if we give the government more information about our habits and our habituations, right? And it's not going to happen if we continue to allow people to stay in Congress for 40 fucking years and do fucking nothing. But I think we'll see those changes made in the next 10 years, if not 15 to 20. And I think that America will bounce back. And we are seeing the cultural snap back the other way from it going too far left because it was too far right and after the world wars. And then it started to swing back left and we got a lot of good out of that. Right. We got the Civil Rights Act. We got Title VII, Title VIII, Title IX. We got fair housing. We got rid of redlining. We've had a lot of good come out of that left-wing swing on the pendulum of politics and on the pendulum of culture. And now it's starting to swing back to the right, and eventually it'll reach another median where we're doing really good, and maybe it goes too far back to the right again, and then it will correct itself. But it's only going to correct itself because we have those freedoms that we were talking about. The Uniparty will eventually die out as we know it. and. Eventually, America will, as you said, get its act together, or it won't, and we won't be a superpower any longer. And if that day comes, then the question will be, well, what do you do if we're invaded? What do you do if we have to become reliant on another country? You stay in your country, and you work in your country to make it a superpower again. Hopefully, one that is not built on endless fucking wars that are illegal and uncertified by the elected body. Hell yeah, I definitely, like, definitely agree with you. I mean, you know, it's definitely going to be a lot of me, like, coming with these topics and me presenting the opposing viewpoint just because I want to have that discussion. I mean, I'm always going to definitely see both sides of the coin, and we're going to talk about this and, like... Your, you your steel-manning arguments is going to give me a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. I'm gonna um, flip this freaking dice. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what steel manning means, but steel um, manning is to is like taking a, a side that you don't agree with and making mm-hmm. the best argument for it that you can think of. Uh, uh, versus well, versus a strong man argument, which is like it's a weak argument that you could blow over like a scarecrow, right? It's made well, of straw. I mean, the thing is, I always like to see both sides of an argument, and I find myself a lot of times equally agreeing with the opposing argument than I do with what I agree with. So it becomes hard for me to differentiate between what I actually agree with and what I understand, because... When you start to look at a lot of things in two different lights, like in 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 light of like both sides of the the conflict, then you start to get a like. You're saying that when you consider the plurality of perspectives in the world, that it becomes hard to be devoted to one of them as being what is morally or ethically correct. Yeah, most definitely. Well. Sure. Like yeah. you, like you feel based off of yeah. the way you live your life, you you know which one you lean towards, but 
you have a hard time expecting others to adhere to it because you can understand how they could end up on a different perspective sort of yes that's correct okay I I would agree with that sentiment I find it very hard to justify throwing stones when I live in a glass house word but there is a morally right and wrong things to the world and we can draw those lines based off of our observations from the world as best we can and live our lives based off of those observations and those I mean, choices. And if there's choices that you make and you have bad consequences, you learn from them and then you adjust over time. I, you know, right? I wouldn't necessarily go that general because what I, what I definitely feel is like, you know, I definitely know what I believe in. I believe in freedom of speech and you know you would you would say like you like you just said you you believe in like what's morally right right i just believe freedom of speech is a very a good privilege to have bestowed upon us from our almighty government <laughs> oh god <laughs> I mean, in some degree, it is there, a luxury a, of people. There is a uh, an argument to be had: is freedom of speech morally right? Like you know, and the more you yes, think it about it, the correct. more you well. Shit. Yes, it is morally correct. Freedom we just of went speech. Through all this. Freedom of speech. We just ran through this. We did, but oh my God. let's. Free should freedom of speech technically means that everybody anybody should be able to say whatever the hell they want. Now, let me ask. That's what you it means. It doesn't mean it's deep, free. Let me ask you a very deep question: Is it actually morally right for everybody to say whatever the fuck they want? Yes. No. If I'm going to be allowed to say whatever the fuck I want to say, then I have no right to tell somebody else what they can or cannot say. And if I say something that offends... For the sake of proving my argument, is it morally right to say I'm going to fuck your newborn baby, bro? Is that right? Is that morally right? You have the right to say that. Oh my god, no. I don't... (laughs) I'm not agreeing with you, dog. You have the right to say that but there are consequences to our actions and what we say like freedom of speech does not mean that you are free of consequences for what you say because you are not Mm -hmm. free to if you are not free from the consequences of the world if you say something that is threatening that is demanding of somebody else and that that pushes in on somebody else's freedoms but that's not how we use that's not how we use freedom. freedom of speech, bro. Because that is we, how it is we intended do not to give be. any consequences to people who say obscenities like what I just said. That's like, not true. We don't we don't give any consequences to anybody for that period. People can That's say whatever if, the hell they want. If you want. said that to a parent and the parent knocked your fucking head into the floor, that and you parent go, you go, go to jail for you assault. Go to court and you press charges for assault, and that person says they were defending their child because of what you said. I don't know a judge that's going to send that person to jail for assault. 
You crack that dude's muffin, of course. If they got pictures with their head bust open, them bleeding, yeah, bro. They, they, you going to jail tonight? Somebody played the damn Kanye song, bro. You <laughs> can't just not. They are would not send some a parent to jail for taking a violent action that they thought was defending their child. You are free to say what you want in this world, in this country. That does not mean that you are free from the consequences. If you say something threatening to somebody else, and if you say something like, I'm going to hurt your child, and that person says, okay, I'm not going to wait to see if you're going to make good on what you said. I'm going to defend my child. That's a consequence of free speech. If Just like if somebody true, says something that offends you. If what you're saying is true. That dude in Florida that shot that man because that man came after him physically for that dude being all up in his girlfriend's face and yelling and spitting in her face. They would okay, put that motherfucker in jail. But they explain that again. So there's an woman, incident in Florida in crazy woman, land. A woman was being mm-hmm. accosted by a man in Florida. Mm-hmm. So her boyfriend came mm-hmm. over to tell the dude to back off. Right. And the dude wouldn't back off. Mm-hmm. So apparently the dude who was originally accosting the lady mm-hmm. feared for his life. Mm-hmm. So then he shot the dude who came after him. Mm-hmm. And as Florida stands your ground law, they said that he was justified in shooting that man. So... Yeah, and what the boyfriend should have done is the boyfriend should have shot the dude accosting his girlfriend first in that in that state because stand your ground law would have kept him out of jail. And it's his job to know that. If he's going to play protector and he's going to intercede on someone else's behalf, he needs to know his responsibilities and his liabilities. Yeah, but if what you're saying is right, that just doesn't track. Like, it, it doesn't track with... What is right and what saying. the legal system does are mm-hmm. not the same thing. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly that what I'm saying. that doesn't change morality. Mm-hmm. The legal system is guilty in any country, in every country throughout history, of having things on the books that are not okay and of having things on the books or not having things on the books that are not okay. That doesn't... that does The, the, the system that you live in, the rules that... the judicial system in our country chooses to or to not prosecute or how it chooses to apply them do do not dictate what is morally or ethically okay for the individual or for the people in their lived experiences it dictates what is morally and acceptable for the system to maintain status quo the judicial system is not your arbiter it is the arbiter of the system that of created by the people that you elected. Now, if you elected a bunch of idiots who passed stand-your-ground law, thinking that it would defend yourself in a life-or-death situation, and then you end up in a life-or-death situation, but don't identify that situation that way and get killed for it, you didn't identify it as a life-and-death situation. Somebody else in that situation did, and they took you out first. Arguably, under these circumstances, we should believe all three of these people involved in this case were Floridians who voted at some point for politicians who either kept stand your ground law on the books or voted it onto the books to begin with 
And the boyfriend in question chose not to escalate it and chose not to view it as a life or death situation. That's on him. If you're going to defend somebody else, that's on you. As an individual, that is how the government measures it. Now, if the boyfriend at one point took control of the situation and then continued to escalate it, yes, that man who was accosting the woman, who now no longer is because he's dealing with the boyfriend, may have been in fear of his life. <laughs> self-defense changes just that, that quickly as far under the law yeah but quickly under he the feared law. for his life when an unarmed man was coming after him but he just accosted a female i mean like it's on video bro he was like this close from her face but that man that he shot was nowhere near as close to him as that as he was to that woman but he feared for his life i mean it just goes to it show that like the bullshit. law me too does but not it sounds like the boyfriend match. should have escalated things first if he wanted to ensure that he and his lady came out of it alive mm, i you know i'm not going to agree with you and, on that one in the case of florida <laughs> in the case yeah. of florida specifically you know standard ground law exists there yeah I mean, you know that you know that somebody accosting you or your somebody accosting you or your person or your family or your people could easily escalate into a violent altercation resulting in bodily harm or death. If Mm -hmm. you walk into that situation expecting to de-escalate it by getting in somebody else's face or telling somebody off, you're crazy. You should go into that situation understanding it could very well escalate to a bloody conflict and death. And you should be fucking prepared for that as an individual. That brings us to you must be capable of like being I said, in control and dangerous I'm, and capable of using violence when necessary to defend what is yours. That is the risk of being in a country with these freedoms. And because you can't wait for the fucking government to help. Clearly, that girlfriend is not going to get justice for her boyfriend or his family as they see it. And clearly, the police didn't respond fast enough to quote unquote de escalate the situation. Right, You are responsible as the individual in this country for yourself and your people and what you decide is valuable to you and what you decide you're going to protect. Uh, Again, I agree with you. I agree with the opposing position. So, again, I find it hard to feel like to figure out what side I'm on because I definitely feel like that's bullshit, but... I mean, objectively, like, if the facts of the case are the original accoster shot and killed the person defending the original victim and gets away with it, the judicial precedent set there is not that you should accost people and then shoot the defendant, shoot the hero who comes in and gets in over his head. The judicial lesson there is that as the hero, when you come in, to defend somebody, you should be willing to take the life of another person because it may, the situation you're stepping into may escalate to that point where it is required in order for you to survive. And if you are not capable, if you are not morally or ethically okay with extracting violence on other people to defend your girlfriend or your significant other or your family or somebody else that you don't know, then don't put yourself in that situation. 
pull yourself out of the situation. Pull your yeah, people I out think, of the situation. I think the difference in that situation is that what you're saying is that it's a difference between putting yourself in this situation and someone else putting you in that situation. Because I could definitely see where you're going, but it was definitely an instance where the woman was definitely not trying to escalate anything. The shooter from the beginning was escalating the situation. Mm -hmm. And you are pulled into that situation because, I mean, which is why I originally said accosted is because, like, if you continue to be the escalator in the situation, right, and like, then you're pulling other people into that. I could understand if the boyfriend came in to break it up because like the girlfriend didn't want to stop, but that's not the situation. The situation is that the, the shooter was accosting the woman and the, like he wouldn't stop. I understand that. So then for you to fear for your life after the fact, when the man comes in and is just trying to get you to stay away from his girlfriend, yeah, then of course that's it's a wrong. bullshit argument. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't bull- mm-hmm. And I promise you that man did not fear for his life. Not when he had a gun. I promise you. It's a bullshit argument, but it's the one that his defense lawyer brought up because he knew it would work. And his defense lawyer did his job. That doesn't make it the facts. Right? The facts are the hero in this story died. Arguably, that is true. <laughs> arguably because he was not willing to do what is necessary, going back to this overarching thing we were talking about, about people and doing the right thing and what is morally and ethically right and being heroes, and that's what we all aspire to be, is a better version of ourselves who would always do the right thing. Sometimes doing the right thing to protect the innocent requires you to exact violence. Because there are things out there that do not listen to reason like this individual who shot the hero in this in this scenario and and what happened arguably one could also say the young woman should have defended herself the young woman should have been armed with a gun should have been trained in self defense should be accepted and willing to take on her own bodily autonomy in defense of herself And then she might have had not, to shoot the individual. I'm not touching that topic. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, you know, you know, <laughs> it's like, it is what it is. Unfortunately, the hero died in this situation, arguably because, as the facts that I've understood them, as you've explained them, is that he didn't want to take the life of the person who was accosting his girlfriend, which, while admirable, arguably got his ass fucking killed. Like you're it's a you're a guy in Florida dealing with the Florida man. The odds that he's crazy or armed are very high. <laughs> dealing with the Florida man. Yo. Yo, like you're in Florida. Okay? Like stand your ground law is a thing, has been a thing for over a decade. You shouldn't be in that 
state on those grounds, putting yourself in a position where it could escalate to that and not be prepared for it. That is reckless and endangering your own life. And he did it for the right reasons, and I applaud him for that. But he got himself killed. And that sucks, and that hurts. And I hope other people learn from that mistake. If somebody is trying to threaten or take something from you or harm something that is precious to you, defend it like your life depends on it, because it probably fucking does. And, you're, and you know, if you can run away, if you can give ground, if you can get inside a car or inside a store and de-escalate it that way and wait for the police to come, do that if you're not capable of self-defense. Absolutely do that. Don't run into conflict. Don't go looking for it. That's not what I'm saying. I am advocating for the fact that if you're going to defend yourself, you should be willing to defend yourself at no matter the cost. Because if you're not, somebody else is going to take the most precious thing to you. Which is your life. Or somebody else's life that you care about. Don't go, don't go be a reckless hero and become a martyr. Come home. Word. I definitely agree with you. I mean, let me tell you something, bro. Uh, I know that sounds heartless as fuck to say about this. No, dude, it doesn't. Like... Because uh, everybody under my roof. <laughs> hey, let me tell you. Hey. Hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody mm-hmm. out there that's mm-hmm. thinking about it, bro. Hey. I'm mm. not going to say nothing, but. Hey. Like, you know, you know, like, black people. When I say, hey, you know what that means. <laughs> like. Like the Chill. assistant, the assistants are very <laughs> effective at what they do. <laughs> hey, everybody in here, shoot it. Hey, I'm telling you, don't do it to <laughs> you yourself. Don't do it to yourself. Hey, the assistants are, are, are well equipped. Hey, I'm telling you right now, John Wick. Don't <laughs> you ever see Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Yo, oh my gosh, hey. <laughs> Yeah, that's hilarious. Let me just tell it to you like this, okay? Oh, that's so funny. That should be your that should be your Halloween get up this year. What Call of Duty? No, Mister and <laughs> Mrs. Smith. <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy. That'd be so funny. All right, well, look, uh, we're gonna take a break here because I'm gonna go take a piss. So, all right, sounds good. We'll be right back. Every year. Cancer charities raise over a billion dollars a year with no cure to show for it. And every year, there are nearly 9 million people around the planet dying from cancer, even with the best of cancer care around the planet. So we are ushering in this new era of how cancer is treated and we need your support. This is personal for me. So I'm committed to making the technology I developed affordable and accessible. So we're going back in. We're talking about how uh, they found a cure for cancer and now they don't want to fund it. <laughs> oh, no, this one's proud. 
I don't know if people thought I was mad in the last one, but this one's going to make me mad. This is crazy. So, I was doing some research on this. I was like, there's no way. Like, this has got to be nuts. No, it's not. Um, it's a research. It was started almost a decade ago now um, by a Dr. Hadia Nicole Green. Um, he had a successful trial in mice where she used lasers and after treatment of the cancer well she used nanoparticles to embed the nanoparticles in cancer cells yes and then she laser activated the nanoparticles which then destroyed the cancer cells Correct. Yeah. And in mice, they the trial did follow ups. They checked, I believe it was a week or fifteen days after, and there was still no cancer found in the mice. So she moved forward with a petition, um or a proposal rather, to start human trials with it. Some years ago, um, I was watching an interview from a couple years ago, uh, and uh, I was roughly priced at like $10 million to get started. It would obviously take a lot more to get it done, but $10 million to get the project up off the ground for human trials. And then I saw an interview from like a year ago, and she was still only at like 2 or $3 million. After a couple years of fundraising, which is just crazy. Like, there's a... And again, it's not a guaranteed cure for all forms of cancer. But you would think in all of... With all the money that goes into cancer research and and with as many people and foundations as are out there that claim to want to find the cure that they even if they didn't fund it themselves that they would pick up this research and bring her on to conduct the research right you would think but that has not occurred um she has her own foundation but she does not seem to have either a good enough marketing team or enough outreach or enough she doesn't have enough of something in order to garner the funds from what i can tell in my light research that I was doing, which just seems so fucking absurd to me. Um, Hey, bro, my mom made a good, aggravating. uh, My mom made a good point. Cancer is a billion dollar industry. Yes, it is. uh, Of course, the industry doesn't want to lose all their money. So guess what Mm. they're doing? They'd rather make pharmaceuticals that give you more side effects. They can kill you, so they can give you more pills that can also probably uh, kill you. Do you think it's because she's a black woman that they're not doing anything? I I saw that. I saw a particularly not super long form interview. It was about thirty minute interview where she went over a lot of that. Um, and by her by her own testimony, testimony she 
says that many people in the fundraising circles and in the research circles have said that it is because of that. However, I am more inclined to believe that it hasn't been picked up because the medical industry, for humans at least, tends to prefer their patients to stay sick. And I don't care about whatever lip service representatives from the government who are here to help claim. I don't care what pharmaceutical companies claim or their reps claim or their lawyers claim or whatever PR statements they put out say. The evidence, the overwhelming evidence of history in pharmaceuticals shows that they prefer profits and are willing to risk tens of thousands of lives when sending pharmaceuticals to market if it makes them enough money. If there is enough money recovered before they think they're going to have to take a settlement or take a payout. And even then, the settlement isn't actually a financial setback because they can write it off as a tax loss. So they technically then make money off the settlement because they're not paying it on taxes over many, many years, right? So it helps them maintain a, a quote-unquote profit loss so that they pay less in taxes as the years go by, right? Um, in addition to all the other ones that they avoid or have tax breaks for. So no, I don't think... I'm. I can't say for certain if it has to do with her race or not. Um, I can say that statistically, there was probably at least one person she came across that felt that way, just based off of the statistics of polling data. Roughly 9% of Americans think that it is okay to maintain and and follow bigoted belief systems. Um, you scale that up in a in a population of 380 million or 360 million. That's roughly 32. Yeah, it's roughly 32. Um, 32,000 or yeah, 32,000, 32 million. Um that would believe it's okay to be bigoted or use divide by race in order to, or use race as a defining characteristic as to make a decision about somebody. So statistically, it's, it's very likely that she came across somebody who held those beliefs as to whether or not they were the key deciding factor as to whether or not she received their money. I can't attest to that or make a claim about that unless I knew the person in question and could do research on them. Um, but statistically, it's plausible. It's very plausible. Um, I also think it's a big part of it is that pharmaceutical companies have their model to print money, right? They go through drug trials. They repurpose drugs from one treatment to another because it, the, the way they designed it, they discovered it doesn't treat problem A, but it will treat problem B or C. And so they'll market it for B and C, knowing that it causes all these problems, but they 
in the long run, they'll make money off of it. And people may say that's crazy, that's sick, that's cynical, but I mean, the FDA pulls drugs off the market all the time that it approved. And they go, oh, well, we didn't know about the data. And, and partly it's true because the data that the FDA gets is curated data that the pharmaceutical companies send them. Right? They don't get the raw data from the pharmaceutical companies and then analyze it in a metadata analysis. They get the data that the pharmaceutical the pharma companies decide to send to them after they've conducted the trials. And so it's not 100% above board, certainly. And I think it's more than likely A, she's having issues because of things that she pointed out. You know, everybody thinks everybody else is going to give, right? Um, that was another thing she said she heard from a lot of, like, regular everyday people. She They say, oh, we thought somebody else was going to give. We thought you would get federal money. We thought celebrities would get involved. But they haven't. Ironic. Um, and so I think none of the big cancer researchers have picked it up either because they couldn't meet her demands for the trial, like they didn't want to jump through all the hoops that, she, that her trial would take to recreate it in a human trial, or they wanted to pick up the research with her as an assistant to somebody else and she probably didn't want to be an assistant to somebody else because it's her research, right? Which I can respect that. I mean, there are, there's more than one time where I've assisted on something in terms of writing, and then when it came down to publication, in no uncertain terms was I asked to take my name off or if it would be okay to remove my name because of the topic in question that we were writing about. Um, but that's a story for another time. Um, so it's entirely plausible that they didn't pick it up for those reasons, right? That either they wanted to take the research and give it to somebody else's lead, or they didn't want to jump through the hoops that it would take to get it to human trials set up and then go through the cost of that development in comparison to other avenues that may have been cheaper to do or may have already been in play and committed to. Regardless, it's still a travesty that it hasn't been funded. It's absurd. Um, if there's a potential, then it should be recreated. And if you can recreate, if, for instance, if somebody else could do recreation trials um, and from a couple other schools uh, and then submit that to peer review and unequivocally show that it does work, no matter what, right? then she might have even more chance, more of a chance to get it picked up. I don't know if she's had anybody else recreate the research or if anybody else at a college across the globe has recreated it or not. I don't know. Um, as to whether or not it really came down to race, I can't say for certain. I'd say statistically it's very likely. I wonder if something like this, uh, when you talk about a, n a new technology or a new method, these are things that can be patented or copyrighted or whatever. 
I wonder if to recreate it, you kind of have to work with the original, like she would be the originator of the patent for this technology, right? If it's, it's new. And well, I imagine that as, <laughs> the, as the lead developer of the research, if, if for instance, they bought the patent, Mm-hmm. As oftentimes pharma companies want to do, right? They want to buy the patent on the research so that when it does become viable or go to market, they can hold on to it, right? And then it stays under their umbrella for as long as they can justify it to the courts and they can maximize the profits that way. So it may have been that she had offers to go private with it and just refused to do it because of those of all that red tape and and because because she would have to sell her rights to it right you want to you want to retain control of although the method because you want right but generally if she did this research to begin with as like a as a doctor or somewhere else like i believe she said this is what her doctorate was done on in theory the school would own the the intellectual property for that as part of your Mm. research there they take you they give you credit and then you are free to go and practice that aspect of medicine, right? You can go and recreate it in another school, but the school you typically do the research at retains that intellectual property. That's been my experience when talking to grad schools and things like that, um, and to talking to fellow uh, masters and doctorate students who were in school before me. Generally, the schools hold on to the intellectual property rights, Um but if, if in her case she retained those rights and those patents, um, it's it's very plausible that she had offers that she had to refuse on principle. And I applaud her for doing so because certainly you wouldn't want it to get bought up and then put on a shelf and never done, right? So it just seems makes me sick to think that there could be an option out there like that. It just needs money thrown at it. Like of all the problems in our society, right? That money can't fix by being by having money thrown at it, right? Yeah, her problem literally is like throw money at it and she can fix it. And it's just like, are you kidding? Like that's ridiculous. How much do we spend on like the homeless crisis, or how much do we spend on potholes and highways that keep coming back? Like, come on, you can't find. 10 million to get the project up off the ground or you can't find another school to recreate it to create uh, a peer review on it or to rush peer review on it to make sure that it survives and is actually sound science that seems ridiculous to me especially with all we have like the top medical schools in the world Right, we have students that come here from all over the globe to learn Western medicine and modern techniques, and then they leave this country when they're done with their doctorates and things like that. And that's like, how how can we not find a pathway forward for her to be funded? It seems crazy. Man, some of you rappers out there, bro, y'all will. Spend freaking a million dollars on a car and on a house or whatnot. All y'all gotta do is ten of y'all gotta get together and give a million dollars and we'll be good. And it'd be at least a starting point for her. Like, somebody need to do it, bro. Um, it's it's ridiculous that this is. Somebody call Will Smith. Oh yeah. Uh, His PR team. Like, they have a they have a like golden that. parachute. 
That's a light oh, ten. Yeah, that's how. Fuck, dude, that's such a light ten. It's not even funny, bro. <laughs> I might call Jada and be like, "We have your new conversation for the red table." Oh my gosh! Dude. So they can sit around and go, "Yeah." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as it gets her the money, dude, like you know, I've, it it really just when I was doing the research on it, it just made my blood boil cuz it was you know, I've lost family to cancer like most people have these days. But it's hard to go into a room and not find a, people who haven't been hit with loss from cancer or had family members or loved ones affected by it. But I also have another friend going through current treatments, and he's an older gent, so I'm very worried about him. Um, and he, you know, it's extremely concerning. And um, to think that this is a could have been a, a uh, vetted and proven right or wrong already is is crazy. Like. And I understand science and academia takes a long time to really plant something that is working into into the medical field and make it marketable enough for you know to be covered by insurance that enough people can get it and it it's viable enough to have in multiple hospitals, but and then in private practices and clinics. But it seems like. It should have been funded already. It should have had the support and the backing when it came out. Like, I don't... Now, again, I haven't read the scientific trial itself. I haven't read her paper on it. So I don't know the ins and outs and all the nuances of the science. And, you know, was it a double... Does it meet the golden standard for scientific verification? I don't know. Is it a double blind? Did they know which rats they were treating? I mean, somebody had to know, right? If you're specifically targeting cancer... But, you know, does it pass scrutiny, right? In theory, it it passed a doctorate's board of review, right? She had to go and defend her thesis. Um, So there's got to be some viability there, you know? Um, I don't see how there isn't. But for it to not have funding is, um, is... beyond me and there's has to either be a nefarious reason for it or a really stupid reason like freaking racism at which point to her i would simply say look elsewhere for the funding go abroad go you know find it somewhere i mean if you if you can't get it from the who if you can't get it from enough money from federal grants or from hospitals locally and in the states which seems crazy then keep looking and keep fighting to find it elsewhere i know right now i think she's still trying to make it a grassroots movement thing and get people to donate to her nonprofit. Uh, but i don't think she's getting much much headway done on it based off the interviews i i was able to pull up yeah, I'm definitely. Um, this is gonna probably be the first peer review article that I read for fun in my entire life. But I definitely posted that inside of the uh, the server, and you can kind of take a look at it. It's the full article. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna take a look at this. The Vivo assessment from PubMed. Yes. yes. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm definitely gonna read this. I'm definitely gonna tear this apart. Yeah. Well, this will this will be the first peer review article I've read in probably three months, nice. five months. When I got my when I took over more responsibilities at work, I stopped having time to just research a bunch of random stuff that I was interested in. Um, we'll have to revisit this for sure because I want to read through this study and really understand it. Heck yeah. But um, for those of you who are interested and are only listening, um, this was published in the National Library of Medicine and the National Center of Biotechnology Information. Um, under uh, PMC or PubMed Central. Um, the, here you go. The, In the National Library of Medicine. Yeah. So that's NLM for your anagrams. Um, specifically under uh, Dove Press within the National Library. So it's under Dove Press. Uh, and then it was in the International Journal of Nanomedicine as well by Dove Press. Sorry. Um, I believe the call number is PMC4227627. Again, PMC4227627. Um, published September 2014? November. November. 2014. Um, yeah, November 5th, 2014. Mm-hmm. It's almost a decade ago, dude. That's yeah, crazy. That's insane. That is insane that it, she can't, that, it, that this hasn't, A, that this hasn't like gone crazy on the news, but, but also that this isn't mainstream yet. I wonder if there's something flawed about it, but. I don't want to be a naysayer about it, but again, coming back to the fact that we should all be skeptical, skeptical about all of our sources of information. Sometimes things do make it into publication that have not been thoroughly vetted enough. Um, so I would definitely encourage anybody who's listening and curious to go check it out themselves. But um Man, I really hope there's not a massive flaw in this because this would be groundbreaking if this is scalable. I mean, if it works, it's groundbreaking no matter what, but then you have to make it scalable and you have to be able to get the technology far enough along that you can get it to multiple hospitals and private practices if you're going to really talk about it being a cure for cancer, right? It can't just be a cure that is inaccessible. That's not going to help anybody. It has to be able to get out to the people who need it the most, which are, of course, um, the people she is trying to help, um, which are, again, primarily uh, the minorities who do not get um, as good a treatment, statistically speaking, um, who are more likely to die from cancer, again, by the statistics. African Americans and other minorities tend to have 
worse outcomes in our healthcare system, which is not a pleasant thought to think about in today's day and age, but it is the reality. So, so again, if this works, you scale it and you can get it out to multiple centers, then that's great. I mean, that would be amazing. I can't... I can't say enough about it being... I just can't help but be hopeful about this. Like, I don't want to be a naysayer. Although, again, be skeptical, but I don't I don't want to be a naysayer about this because I want it to work. Most definitely. And, yeah, I, I believe here what she said on her website is that her expected outcome is to provide uh, cancer patients with low-cost outpatient treatment with uh, minimal side effects as an alternative to surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation therapy. So... I definitely yeah. think that's the goal and that's the target for it to be affordable and for it to be widely used. So, yeah, we will. In theory, if if it gets if she could get it covered as a treatment protocol by insurance, then a lot more of the. Then it would be picked up a lot more by hospitals and things like that, because that's a better way for them to acquire big purchases and things like that. It's like, hey, if we can generate revenue off this, even if it's only to go even, then then it's worth the cost, right, to the hospital. But And here's another crazy thing. Most hospitals in America are not public hospitals. They're private. So it's like, if it's not profitable, most private hospitals, I doubt, are going to go for it, right? Mm. Which yeah. is another sadistic, again, not to be cynical, but Money talks, bullshit walks. If you're running a private hospital, it's technically a business. That means you have to be able to generate money off of your treatments at some level. Isn't that insane? The place that we go to where we crazy. think that the place that we go to where we think they should be looking out for me here, like this one mm-hmm. place should at least be the haven. They're still trying to make money off of you when you're dying. <laughs> Yeah, the place you're going for help to get better when you have the the most severe cases of illness, right? You're not going to your primary care. You're not going to uh, the minute clinic, right? You're going to the hospital because you generally you're either rolling into the ER, right? Or you're there for uh, a major treatment or surgery. So, yeah, it's fucked up to think that many many of us are going in there and I mean, the healer in the At village... At some point, they just become a number, right? At some point, they become a number of profits and losses in the system. But obviously, the doctors and nurses aren't there for the profits, right? Or at least we would hope not. I've talked to a lot of nurses. They don't seem to be making too much money. The healer in the village didn't used to be the richest person, but look where we're at now. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. I still don't think the healers are the richest people. <laughs> it's the people behind them. I should say over them. Yeah. The people whose names are on the wings and whose names are on the building outside. Ah. Uh. I mean, when you talked about the village healers, you weren't just talking about the shaman, you know what I'm saying? Or the healer yeah. themselves, everybody that worked for the healer, you know? It's the same it's the same thing in my book. All I'm saying is, you know, the the village shaman, the village leader, they used to be doing it for the 
the spiritual journey or the the devotion to healing the call now we're just doing it for profit like and we're not healing anything we're not restoring anything we're not remediating anything the results of the study basically showed in the mice again this is just in the mice that she worked on a single treatment of the of the nano rod injections followed by a 10 minute NIR laser treatment or photothermal nanotherapy uh, resulted in a hundred percent tumor regression and near 100%. That's what that thing is. Yeah. Near a hundred percent tumor regression in a near 90% of treated tumors. Yeah. That's statistically significant. (laughs) And and um, let's and that's in that comparison that's to fifteen the, days. Yeah, and that's over fifteen days. You know, which is why Kingo again doesn't take nearly that like that short that of time. short of a time. Yeah, yeah, and in theory, it would and have a chemo, lot less you have damaging. To keep going back, like you yeah. have to keep going back for the chemo. It's not like unless you have those injected. Um, well, they used to do those back in the day. I'm not sure if they do those now where they inject you with those um timed capsules, which is like every so often freaking things go off with the chemo inside your body, like a walking radiation bomb. Oh, crazy. Geez. Um, my grandfather had that. That shit. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know if they're still doing that one. But I wouldn't be surprised. I mean. God. Couldn't hold any babies, couldn't do anything, because, you know, walking. Well, what do you think, man? Do you think, why do you think this hasn't gotten funded yet, dude? Hmm. I think, um, I think that it hasn't gotten funded because there's no profitability in it. Mm. The moment you try to say that you want a treatment to be affordable is the moment that the industry is like, okay, like, I I, I don't know what you mean by affordable. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, we saw this. We saw this in... The Iron Fist TV show where Danny Rand came back and he wanted to make a drug affordable. And they were like, no, people need this. We can make money off of it. We can overprice it through the roof. And he was like, no, we're not going to do that. And they had a fucking fit. And I think they're having a fit. Also. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of just looking at the mm-hmm. acknowledgments. The initial research she did had tons of support from major i mean massive mm-hmm. massive bodies in in science and research i mean she had uh funding from the nih from nsf um nih is national institute of health um and then um nsf is the uh national physical science consortium fellowship uh, 
You've got Morehouse School of Medicine, Tuskegee University, University of Alabama had money behind this. You know, Bama Bama's a D one school, man. Like they're they're National Institutes of Health again. Uh so it's like, okay, so the initial support was there, but where did it go? <laughs> like, how is this not funded? This is crazy. <laughs> oh my god. Also think, nuts. Um, also think, because, you know, skimming over what I've skimmed over, I think because it's very targeted in the type of cancer it wants to treat, too, mm-hmm. it's not being picked up. Like, I, I also think that, um, you know, because it's not a wide sweeping blanket treatment for all forms of cancer... And yeah. it can't be proven that it can be such just yet. That's probably why it's not being picked up. Like we have efficacy and have tried and true methods of cure, like of of treating and remediating cancer mm-hmm. to the point of you know remission. Yeah. That make us a little bit of money already. Why would we want to make an investment and take out of our take out our time to fund what we may or may not, which may or may not be profitable for us, and may not may or may not be successful in all forms of cancer treatment, right? Because it's hard enough to get. Well, you would do it for that exact reason, though, yeah. right? Because we still have so many forms of cancer that are extremely hard to treat, even if they are very rare. There are still forms of cancer that are almost impossible to treat, like brain cancers, right? Um, Or tumors in the brain can be incredibly difficult to deal with. Um, Or spinal tumors um, can be very dangerous to remove. This type of research, if it could be scaled and then be fine-tuned to be applicable for things like that would that would be the primary reason is because there isn't anything to fill that niche yet or there isn't anything good enough or satisfactory enough to fill that niche that if you pick this up you might be able to fine-tune it to fit that niche that's empty so while that may be a reason not to pick it up i think that's equally a reason to pick it up and to fund it and to scale this I just messed it up a little bit for myself. Uh, <laughs> a, a line in here says, um, furthermore, this novel approach may be a realistic option for treating other solid and early stage tumors in combination with early detection and imaging mechanisms. However, whether this method is appropriate for the treatment of metastatic tumors is yet to be determined, which probably can be a limiting factor as well, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, it, it it is a, a solid option for treating people in early detection and imaging it when we catch it early, but we still have yet to test whether it's a an appropriate treatment for late for stage cancer where it has transferred to other parts of the body. Which gotcha. again is what I'm saying. Like, hold on, excuse me. Bless you. What I'm saying is we already have um tried and true methods that work when we catch it early and late and those can be used in both situations 
why would we take a chance on this and spend so much money when cancer research, you know what I'm saying, is already hard to fund and we've already put so much money in it already, you know what I'm saying, and we have all this other stuff we're trying to do, I mean, I definitely get it, but I do agree, we need to take a chance on this. Dude, like, take some of that NSA black money and fucking put it towards this shit. <laughs> Jesus. Word. Take some of that Ukraine money and yeah, put it over somehow here. we can't somehow we don't have enough money to continue helping our citizens as they are still trying to recover from the COVID pandemic, but we just got ninety billion dollars for a country that doesn't want to join NATO. Like, come on. Yeah, I will never. I will remind the fact that the Biden family has ties to that place and to one of the largest energy companies in that country, but that certainly has nothing to do with why we're supporting it. Not at all. No, no, that has nothing to do with it. There's no correlation and causation in that one, guys. No correlation at all whatsoever. It's. Anyways, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's gonna take us in a whole nother fucking tangent that that's its own whole podcast that's crazy um but yeah we can have we magically found all this money somehow we just the the fed was like ah print it up we're good to go but crazy. like imagine what you could do if you threw 90 billion dollars at chicago or at south side of dc right or detroit like, come on. Even if half of it got stolen by grifters and nefarious politicians, still, if $45 billion went into an inner city and actually got put to work building schools, getting rid of the dilapidated, destroyed, infected schools with all the chemicals and shit left in it. Um, I mean, shit, here, here in North North Carolina, there's a whole county whose kids are going to have to go back to school with where, like, every single school has bioorganic growth in it, whether it's asbestos or mold of some kind, in every single one of the schools. That's Graham County? No, it's out past Graham. I think it's... I think it's whatever county Burlington is in, I believe. It's fucking nuts. That is crazy. And somehow the 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 school district doesn't have the money to fix that, but we but apparently the American people have money to send to fucking Ukraine. I will never understand, bro. I don't understand. in the wrong place. This is what I was talking about. We need to get art together. Get it together. It's crazy. It's like nah. Help our future? Nah. Let's go help a country that doesn't actually really want our help, that we really shouldn't be fucking with, that we know we shouldn't have been fucking with for the last 25 years, but we keep messing with and just so we can have a, a new testing ground for shit. Like, come on. Just so we can appease people in, who have been paid off. Like, come on. There's some funny money around there somewhere. I mean, like, even even the news organizations, have, like, mainstream media has admitted it. They were like, okay, yeah, there's there's been lots of stuff that has disappeared. Whereas, like, six months ago, they were like, no, everything's accounted for. Like, come on. 
But she ain't got money for fucking literally just creating a safe learning environment. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Ain't got no money to to build affordable homes. Can't do that. This episode's been very depressing, bro. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, Ugh. man, let's talk about something less depressing, like me exploring the freaking galaxy in Starfield. Okay, hard segue out of the dark and dreary misery that is our our reality. Hell what man. is this game that you're... That you're on lately, Man, this uh, exploration. Starfield, this shit is fun. It's made by Bethesda Studios, the same studio that did uh, Skyrim and. Oh, you Fall mean uh, glitchy ass studio? <laughs> Yo, this game is you polished. Mean you fall it's good. through the game map studio. It's running really good. It's doing you mean, real good. You mean the same studio that brought you dragons flying through walls? It's doing very good, bro. I'm telling you. <laughs> Hey, all everybody's been playing it, and everybody knows how it was back in the Skyrim days when it was glitchy and stuff. Everybody's been saying it's been running good and it's been looking good. And based off of what I've played of it so far, it's been doing the same. It's been running very good. I would say when you're flying through space, the space junk that they have around planets gets kind of glitchy and wonky. But other mm-hmm. than that. Everything's doing fine in this game, bro. It's mm. it's it's good. Yeah, I'm I'm loving it. Now, there is there is something to be said about if you're a ver- if you're a fan of No Man's Sky and you love the fact that those got ga- like every galaxy you go to is procedurally generated. You can land on each planet and you can explore the whole entire planet all around northwest, east, west. You can't do that on Starfield. It's like when you land in one location, you have a large map that's generated for that one location and that's it. It's not like you get to explore the full planet, which is one thing Mm -hmm. that the player base is kind of bummed about. But once you get out there and you start going from planet to planet in these different places, like each place is so big combined together and the possibility of how many places you can go to and you can okay. explore, it it's is it, big enough. So it's single player, so there's no co-op. Yeah, no co-op, no world. online, but it is open world, yep. Now... <sighs> Is it first person or third person? You can switch between the two. Okay, that's good. I mean, from what I can tell, it looks beautiful. Looks gorgeous. The real is question is, gorgeous. is it worth 70 fucking dollars? Uh, is it worth it de- another It depends 30, on me. Is it, it worth another $45-$50 for the premium upgrade and official soundtrack? It depends on how you measure quality of a video game, my friend. Oh, and my you God. you can tell that me and you differ on that. Now, this game isn't like my usual game. So, I can, you can't even say that we have different, different views and that applies here because 
this game is very different from other games that I played. Do I feel like it's worth all of that money for all of the content they put in the game? Yeah, I do. Okay. Now, one thing that I would say... Y'all heard it. He said, go spend your $70. One thing I would say is for all the content and possibilities that they add to this game, the fact mm-hmm. that it's not multiplayer... It's kind of confusing to me because mm. this shit is huge in the like scale I mean, and the amount of assets. It may have just not been their do. goal to do it that way, right? They may have not wanted to make another massive multiplayer online game. They may have like wanted Elder Scrolls Online, <laughs> right? Yeah, they may have I mean, I wanted to stick to having uh, a more single player option to tap into that market because that market is growing again like crazy. For a while there, that market of the gaming uh, consumer base was diminishing, right? As you had things like Destiny came out and other uh, battle royale modes kicking off in every game left and right. Like the isolated player was going by the wayside for a long time, right? Yeah. They had, and then Cyberpunk came out, and so everybody was playing that and going back to it as it was getting fixed and fixed and fixed. And then uh, Halo Infinite came out. That one, that campaign wasn't particularly long, but it was a lot of fun, drew a lot of attention. Um, so they may have just been looking to fill that niche here in terms of having like a open world exploratory thing, like you said, like No Man's Sky, but just not have it be another massive multiplayer game right because that may have had given it more negative connotation and publicity than positive yeah possibly but it is it is and also this way missing a huge like this, well, this way the they first... don't have to have host servers right like because if you, sure. you buy a game like this it's hosted on your computer it's not going to, they don't have the overhead of like live servers that they have to maintain and monitor. Mm, true. Yeah. Um, which is one of the big things that kept Bungie tied down with the development of Destiny and gave Activision so much control over how it was edited and cut up and published chunk by chunk was because they were essentially covering the cost of the housing and the they were covering the active servers. And that way Bungie didn't have to. Um, but so anyways, uh, it may have just been not, they may have specifically leaned away from that, which I'm not opposed to. I mean, like if I just wanted to come home and explore shit and solo grind, it looks like it'd be really good for that. And very similar to Skyrim Fallout 4, right? Oh yeah. I mean, that's Skyrim times 10, 100 Mm -hmm. shit is insanely huge. Um, I mean, the graphics look amazing <laughs> on it. Yeah. Is and, there a lot of interaction with NPCs and stuff? Like, is there a story, oh, yeah. a plot line? There is a main plot line. There are factions, which each faction has their own mission plot line. I mean, okay. it's it's like Space Skyrim, bro. It's, it's the same okay. thing. It's like... Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You have all your side missions that you can do. You have random NPCs that give you quests that you can go and explore. And there's like 150 of those. <laughs> and how's you know the saying? UI? How's the UI and HUD interface? Is that user-friendly or is it more like discombobulating? 
Like, does it have like a, a helmet, like a spacesuit apparatus yeah. to the design of it, or is it more just like old school video game interface? Um, more just like old school video game. You won't find any like Ace Combat style head visor HUD mm-hmm. mixed with you know what would be on the screen of like the the shield the um shield on a spaceship like like you do in other first person ship games you don't really have mm-hmm. that here you have a hud similar to no man's sky which is very user friendly i would say they have implemented the whole um the uh the energy the allocation system for moving energy to thrusters and engines and stuff like that which uh similar games like star citizen uses um so it mixes that user-friendly hud interface kind of with these operations that like hardcore like like for instance star citizen players like hardcore space you know rpg games would love it mixes those two together in a perfect balance um Mm -hmm. Which is why I'm saying that, like, it not being multiplayer is good for a lot of people, but also kind of a letdown for, you know, its own section of people, which I'm included in, because it's the first game that's, like, this polished and this clean and is this user-friendly, but also introduces that customization, like, you, this is the first space-faring role-playing game that you can actually customize every part of your ship in. Like, you can't even do that in Star Citizen. Like, Star Citizen, you can buy hundreds of different types of ship and ships and do all these missions and shit, but you can't do it down to every single part putting together your ship. Now, if they had that mixed with the multiplayer aspect where you can do it, that shit would be insane. But like you said, that would be a large investment, which I really don't think they're wanting to undertake. And in the moment that this probably, they decide they do want to do it, I think they're going to do something like they did with Elder Scrolls, where it's like, okay, 10, 15, 20 years of us making this same series has taught us that you guys want this shit in an online format as well. So, we have our base games that we make in this Elder Scrolls series, and then we have our online version, which is Elder Scrolls Online. Here you go. You want to play it online? You can play it there. You want to play it single player? You can play it here. So I think that's what they might do. I mean, this is what? This is their third major title that they're kind of invested in. They took one of them multiplayer. They haven't done the same with Fallout. So, it's 50-50 whether or not they'll go the way of offering it for multiplayer and whether or not. So, you know. Yeah. We will see. I think, didn't they do something online with Fallout? With, like, Fallout Shelter or something where you could have, like, an app and design your shelter or whatever? And uh, I'm not a huge Fallout fan, one. so I don't really know. Um, no, I don't remember that one. They may have had a mini game on mobile, possibly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I'm not sure about that one. I've never been a huge Fallout fan. I think I played 
the first one a little bit at like a friend's house, but never really got into it. Um, and then of course, after I think it was like after Fallout Three, they were all just so fucking buggy because Bethesda just kept rushing through everything, and it wasn't buggy in like the haha Skyrim kind of funny way where a horse just falls out of the sky and kills a guard that's trying to stab you. It's it was more like game breaking, crasher fucking PC. 20 times kind of breaking, which is not good. Yeah, that's messed up. We can't, we can't, uh, have Fuck game studios putting out Apex Legends quality of work every time, you know what I'm saying? Dude, what was that one that came out that was so tragic? Anthem? Yeah, Anthem. <laughs> Everybody thought it was going to be so good and it came out, and I was, t- dude, hey, you and I argued it about was... it for like three hours, and I was like, dude, I'm not buying it, I'm not, I'm not holding my breath. I was like, I hope it's good, but I think it's going to be trash. And it was horseshit. And then guess what? Like, bro, you wouldn't even see it in an arcade bar. They made another anthem. They did not. (laughs) No, they didn't. But Uh Oh, uh, bro. I was like, there's no way that franchise survived. I would pretty much say that that new game they released on Xbox um, Game Pass was the exact same. Exoprimal. Have you seen that one? Oh yeah, 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 yeah! I saw that. I saw a trailer for anthem, that. Bro. Yeah, it looks just like Anthem. It's like it's like an Anthem Overwatch crossover. Yeah, it uh, it's like so janky. I mean, it's oh. sort of cool, but I think it's not. Have it's you gonna... watched some streams of Armored Core, the new one they just released? No. Oh, that shit is insane it looks so good i remember playing armor core as a kid oh that was that was sidebar (laughs) i just scrolled down on um starfield Uh uh-huh on steam the first comment add city maps what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) yeah bro i mean yeah i would say that's a thing that they yeah i agree i agree bro Hey, you can get, bro, you can get lost in freaking Jameson, There's no bro. maps for the series. Hey, oh, every, no. everybody that plays Starfield, you know you can get lost in Jameson. You know you can get lost in Neon City. How are there not maps, bro? That's not even complicated. The map's already in the game data. You just have to make it tiny. <laughs> and then overlay. Yeah, bro. I don't know. Or just make it like a thing that you can pull out of your backpack. You don't even have to have it on the hood. Nah, man. I think that's a part of making the game feel huge. TLDR. Imagine Skyrim or Fallout where the map is divided into hundreds of locations. The only way to move between them is to fast travel. (laughs) Yo, someone the other day called it Fast Travel Simulator. And they are not lying. I I don't know. Dude. Hey, they're not lying though, but hey, I mean, uh, once you find out the system, run speed faster than NPCs, but the walk speed slower. (laughs) Bro, 50 hours in, I have yet to find a bathroom skeleton. Lol, (laughs) that's funny as fuck, dude. But no, the city maps had like 250 upvotes on it, yeah. Yeah. Which for those of you who don't know, that's a lot on Steam. Yeah. Yeah. No one no that's... one comments on Steam. That's a lot. Everyone's on fucking Reddit these days. 
Yeah, man, it's it's an it's a little insane. Uh, Bro, some dude's on here. He said he's played it for fifty hours already, and he's only had it for five days. That's 10 hours a day, dude. That's insane. You can get lost in it like that, bro. I'm telling you. See, you I can. used to love games like that. Where I mean, I would get lost in Destiny even though I fucking maxed out on that game. Like, I don't know how many times I used to run a clan, but I would just rerun through shit constantly on that game. Just the, No, the, the problem the, is the that you can't get on that shit game. fast enough in this game. Like, you're oh, trying in, to in go somewhere. Yeah, you're trying to go somewhere, but something else comes up that's just looking juicy. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> like i always had that so problem in, in the first assassin's creed oh yeah bro yeah. those cities were so beautiful so amazing there's always some side quest to like save somebody or something i would just stop and do that i'd never get to the freaking core mission hours playing that game that was good i like worlds where you can get lost in them heck yeah that's that's a sign of a really well-designed open world um, I just wish I had time to check this game out. I don't really right now. No, most definitely. I've got side work. I've got hey. training with my dog to continue. And... Right. And I've always recommended games to work. you that, uh, you, that I necessarily enjoy, but this is one that, like, you can play it for, like, 20 minutes, drop it, come back. Play it for mm-hmm. an hour, drop it. Come, it's perfect. For yeah. That. So, I would. Yeah. Say can you pause the open world since it's single player? Yes, you can. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was always like the annoying thing about Skyrim. <laughs> oh, that you could never pause it. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to fast travel to a city or whatever, unless you're gonna like shut down, and then you were just stuck with your last auto save or your last manual save. But it's like if you left your character out there, you would fucking die. <laughs> fucking dragon just come by while you're in the bathroom taking a crap and kill you and your horse you'd be like god damn it (laughs) unless you had the shadow mare you were screwed (laughs) but if you were smart you wouldn't get that till the end of the game after you did every other quest because the dark brotherhood quest line had you kill like three NPCs that you needed for certain quests and for certain story points Oh my gosh, talking about that. Before you go to a certain level in the main Starfield quest, people, make sure you join the Crimson Fleet. I'm just going to say that. Okay. No spoilers, though. Yeah. It makes this one mission a hundred times quicker. (laughs) 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 Literally. Oh my goodness, literally it's it's it was it was a gem me figuring that one out. <laughs> oh man, we got to all the topics. Anything else yeah. you want to tell everybody? Um No, not right now. Right now I'm so tired. I just want to go crawl in the shower and fall asleep in a hot shower. <laughs> Fall asleep in a hot shower, bro. I haven't done that in a minute, bro. I make you jealous, it. though. I made some adobo pork today. <sighs> oh, fire! Slow- oh god! Slow cooked it for like five hours, and I made two pounds of mac and cheese. So good. 
Give me I'm some. Fry up okra tomorrow. Give me some. Give me some. Come up here. Come up here. Pick up my and Come up. <laughs> Be like, sorry, wife. I'm out. Taking a boy. Peace. Peace. We're going to go have a guy's day. <laughs> Heck yeah. That'd be sick. Oh, man. Looks like I'm going to be on call two weeks back to back, too. Fuck. I honestly thought you were going to have to dip out today. No, I took care of my one emergency today already. Did that early in the afternoon after I did some work on a restoration project. There you go. Yep. Got a lot done today. Still feels like I didn't do enough. All right, y'all. We're going to get out of here. Take the rest of the conversation offline. We'll catch you guys next time. Once again, I've been your one of the co-hosts, the one-eyed gambler. This is my other co-host, Nimbus the All-Powerful. Nimbus, 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 Nimbus. Nimbus. We'll get an echo effect for that, bro. Don't do that. (laughs) Like, share, follow, subscribe. Deuces.